0: episode of Chats with the Starving Artists live at Noya House. Um, and thank you, Cooper's Sound Distillery. We salute. Have, uh, salute. <laughs> the Sound American Whiskey Bourbon, if anybody yeah, wants yeah. a sip, definitely can do that. Um, thank you, Alonso, Jacqueline, um, and everybody here at Noya House that's made this happen. So uh, today we're live, of course, again, uh, with legendary um, musician, creative... Mr. Brian Michael Cox. So, yeah. real quick, tell us uh, who you are, where you're from, and more about your <coughs> form of creativity.
1: Um, I'm Brian Michael Cox. Actually, Brian Michael Paul Cox. I told you I'm bringing that back.
0: I'm right. BmPc. Back. Yeah.
1: Uh, um. Interesting. I mean, side sidebar. I remember I used to get picked out all the time because I had a lot of names. <laughs> and there's a little bit of history there. If you guys, anybody familiar with like Caribbean uh, uh, culture or even British culture? Yeah. So a, a lot of the Caribbean islands were occupied by the Brits, and so they uh, they uh, they uh, established or they you know kind of adapted some of their culture, a lot of their culture. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you'll meet people from Jamaica or people from the Bahamas or or Turks or Barbados, and they'll have like a bunch of names, like you know. Like, my cousin's name is Kendrick Ashley Javon Dean. Or, you know, like everybody, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Everybody has like a bunch of names. And I used to pick up Robert all the time because Robert has four names too. His Robert, Robert Andre DeMond, Glass.
0: Oh, yeah, he died. So I forgot about it. So,
1: uh, so I was telling him, yo, you got some Caribbean in your boy, you think you don't know, you got a little bit. Of <laughs> um, but uh, Brian Michael Paul Cox, I'm, I'm originally from Miami, Florida, born there, from Bahamian descent, um, raised in Houston, Texas, from Houston where i w- uh became you know i grew up in elementary middle uh elementary middle high school there where i developed as a person uh' it's houston texas so yeah um i'm a, I'm a songwriter producer artist d j content creator you know in this in this world now we can wear many many hats um and uh i wear them so uh <laughs> That's i've um I've been in the business. This year will be with mark my it's ninety-seven. Mark my technically nineteenth year okay. in the music business, but I always round it up to twenty because yeah. I moved to Atlanta in ninety-seven and or, or to to you know to pursue it. So I always count the I count the pursuit. You know what I mean? Because I I've developed <coughs> as a songwriter and producer from like ninety-three to like ninety-six, ninety-seven. I look at that as my first development. Yeah. You know, portion when I when I met my first mentor, Greg Curtis.
2: Hmm.
1: Um, when I met Robert Glasper, When I met Chris Dave. When I met all the all the musicians that would shape.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, my life and shape my creativity. Um, my best friend Troy Clark, my, his brother Trevor. Um, um, you know, my boy Marco, my boy Sean. These are all for, um, all my friends who helped shape. And are know, they all creatives? They're not all creatives. They're just you know, I- they all inspire me. You mm. know whether we you know you hang out with your boys and you get you talk about things. A lot of the early songs I wrote are writ you know, were, were written uh, based on conversations that I had with them. You know what I mean? Okay. I used to, I, I was like the poetry guy. Like uh, the things that my friends couldn't say to women, they would have me write. <laughs> and then <laughs> I, I, now I'll never forget this. One of my best friends, Tanisha. So yeah. crazy. Tanisha, she used to d- <laughs> she used to date my my. Best friend Troy. Yeah, and she had no clue that all the poems that she was getting were from were, you. Were actually, from me, <laughs> but technically from <laughs> That's me. Wild. You know but they were they were. I, I was, was written, about to writing find out now. She knew, <laughs> but she knew. She ended up finding out. No, she didn't find out. <laughs> we talked about it recently because she was like, "Yo, like she, I, I, I had written her a hand note like years later, like maybe we were we were in our twenties, and I had written her a hand note, and um, she looked at the note and was like." This handwriting looks really familiar. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yo, our girls, you know, y'all well, women, y'all y'all keep everything. Y'all keep love notes. Y'all keep poems. Y'all keep everything. I I don't know why y'all do it, but y'all keep everything. Yeah. So she goes back to the box. She opens up these letters, and she something triggered her memory. Like, let me go. And I guess because it was like, oh, wait, well, Brian's a songwriter. And I, I, you know, I, I think she put two and two together in her head. And she went back look at the notes, and she was like, Did you write these damn poems? <laughs> it's
0: like, yeah. Yeah, so is that it. is that how you got into, is that why you're the ballad king? Because you are good at communicating. I mean, you can talk uh, about the music. But yeah. You think about it, like all the ballads are very, very emotional that you do. so
1: really- <clears throat> I think what's interesting is that I am, when I was a teenager, I became like the king of the friend zone. Mm. I didn't realize that that's what it was, though. Mm. <laughs> I didn't realize I was boxing myself in like that. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> but what would happened was I would I would meet people, and and I, it, it wasn't that I was trying to get with these girls. But I would actually enjoy being their friends because I liked to actually understand the psyche of yeah. a woman. Yeah. You know what I mean. And a lot of times, like for example, there was a girl I was in love with, my first love, right. And we became fast friends, best friends. And I became friends with all of her friends, mm. so I could understand her better. Yeah, you know what I mean. And then that turned into like a habit. And then I became friends with, then my my other best friend Cecily. Then I became friends with Tanisha. Then I became friends with vermeil and Elizabeth. They say I know I I'm I'm like the guy that everybody comes to talk to about their problems, mm. all their man problems, all their issues in school this and that, and that. I became like the guy.
0: But were you scoring still at the same time? Like no. Not to say it like that. Not to I, I don't scoring, want to objectify any of I wasn't women scoring here for because clarity. at the
1: time I wasn't really scoring at the time. I I'm I'm a person why, where where uh, I used to be. A person where I'm really one track mind when it comes to relationships. Okay. So like if somebody I like, if I like her, that's it. Okay. It's like my 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 attention span is like, you know, I mean I may entertain and talk to different women, mm-hmm. but if I if I really really like you, I'm going for you. And everybody else, we friends and all that. But I want you
0: focused. Okay. And
1: um, at least I was like that with Judith. I can, you know, Judith and my first couple of girlfriends. I was like that. I don't know what okay. that's happened over the years. <laughs> okay. Almost four. <laughs> okay. What's happened? But
0: so I want to go back a little bit. So you would you would classify? Would you just classify yourself as a creative, or would you classify yourself as a music creative? or would you? Creative? Just a creative
1: in general. Before I would, I would pitch on myself as a music creative. Because music is my life. Music is something I enjoy doing. Um, Not only enjoy doing, something I actually took time to study.
2: Mm.
1: You know what I mean? And not in the the general sense of like, oh, I'm studying notes and this, that, and the third. I actually took time to study the music that I loved. Like my mother, I I have to really give it up to her in a real My mother and my aunts and all that. Because they had such an infinite love for music, right? Mm -hmm. You know? I got, I got my, that, that's where I developed my musical palette, like my musical taste, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, and why I know so, so many records. People, I was asking, you know, how do you know these records? Well, a lot of people that I know that know records, they had to do research after they got older. Hmm. You know what I mean? You get older, you start developing a taste, and then you go back and you do research. For me, I was learning as it was happening. Yeah. You know I mean, so my mother would go by, like, for, ex- for example, for my sixth birthday, six years old, okay, so just five, and they're six years old. Mm-hmm. This is, I turned six in 1983. Okay. OK. For my sixth birthday, my my mother bought me Rick James Cold-Blooded <laughs> <laughs> at the album. <laughs> now, now there was a reason for this. Because we had a real, my mom had an incredible record collection. We were broke as hell, but we had an incredible record collection, yeah. right? So it makes you rich in love and rich in spirit and rich in, you know what I mean? because. The hard day, you just put on a record, Yeah. you know. As a fact, my mother used to dance with me in the middle. Of the dance plus, you know, in the middle. On middle the room weekends over. cleaning
0: up the house. Yeah,
1: so all of that stuff shapes who you are, right? Yeah. And we all we always had people living with us, whether it was my aunties or, you know, this. The world was had, you know, family members living with us. So, as we had different family members live with us, the record collection would get bigger because they would bring their records, and
2: mm-hmm. so.
1: And I, now, now we dealing with siblings, right? So I'm only child. I mean, I I have a a half-brother that I didn't grow up with. I mean, he's an incredible cat, but I didn't grow up with him. So I don't know how it feels to grow up with that sibling rivalry type situation. Me and him were just really good friends. Um, But um, watching their sibling rivalry, what they would do is they would write their names on their records. And they're like, okay, well, this is my shit. Territory. Don't touch my shit. And and Jackie had this beautiful handwriting. She'd write all, you know, Jacqueline, all all our records, and then... My mother would write Bucci. Okay, what's her nickname? Bucci on the records, and my auntie Sheila would write Sheila. My auntie Jackie actually had a barcode. She would actually write her name and then put like a barcode. I would fuck with my shit, and she put a little barcode. You know what I mean? And my auntie Adrian um, had an ill ill record collection. Like you know, and but and she never really lived with us, but she would always come over, and they would do record swaps and things mm-hmm. of that nature. So it, it, I I, did, I was young, yeah. I was learning stuff. So you you figure eighty three there's. There's from eighty two to eighty three there's George Clinton's Atomic Dog, Michael Jackson's Thriller, Prince's nineteen ninety nine, Kashif's debut album, um, um O'Brien's uh U and I album. Um all, th- these are all the this is what my family was listening to. Yeah. Earth Fires, Power Light, um Damn. Rick James uh, Cold Blooded. Like all these records are records that my family was listening to, right? Yeah. And I and I and I would know because uh, uh, they get a record, I'd be the first one to wanna open a record and you know, open it up and read the credits and all kinds of things of that, that nature. And I would notice certain things as I as I would read these credits. I was young, you know what I mean? Like a, like a little, little boy, you know yeah. what I mean? But I knew that that's, I was totally, totally into whatever that was. I, I was drawn to it, you know what I mean, at a very, very early age.
0: So inadvertently, your mom kind of put oh you no, in being it was, a creative. No, no, not it inadvertently. Was,
1: it was direct.
0: You yeah. know what I mean? So Miss Pam knew what she was yeah, doing.
1: it was direct. Oh. Okay. It was absolutely direct.
0: Okay. So so when did you move to Houston from Miami? Were okay, you a w- baby?
1: <clears throat> yeah, when I was a baby. I was born in Miami. I mean, everybody would talk about, they don't want to talk about the age, but man, I'm, I'm I'm embracing my age because I feel like, I feel like when, when I tell people that I'm, that I'm, I'm going to be 40 this year, it completely throws people off. I like that throw off. It's like, what?
0: And he's a Sag, by the way. Yeah, so. so m- shout out to the Sages.
1: So my mother, I was born in 77, Miami, right before like, it got I mean it was already getting kind of bad but right before like the drug mm. thing was just crazy in Miami like right before the you know Cuban uh, yeah. crisis and all that stuff like it was um we r- right on the brink of it changing yeah so when it um my mother had an aunt and a sister who had moved to Houston mm-hmm. my my aunt my auntie, uh, my aunt Veronica and um it was my mom's aunt but she's my aunt. yeah um and um, my aunt, my auntie Diane,
2: mm-hmm.
1: had moved to Houston. And uh, as it was getting bad, like I don't know if you guys have you guys ever seen this the uh, the Cocaine Cowboys yeah. documentary. Yeah. So you know, in the beginning of the Cocaine Cowboys documentary, you talk about the Dayland shooting, I uh, Dayland Mall shooting. Yeah, that was like January of '79 or something like that. And, like basically, my mom had already decided she was going to leave, but, but she was trying to figure out when. And then the Dayland shooting happened, and she was like, "Yep, yeah, we're gone. Hmm. You know, <laughs> we're going to Houston. You know, it just was getting bad. It just, you know, my, Miami was not what sh- she envisioned for me to be, you know, to be. And I think my mom just needed a clean slate, and she was like, she wanted a clean start. So, uh, so I'm born. I'm born in December '79. We moved I mean, I'm '77. We moved to Houston January of '79. So I'm, I'm like one. Yeah, like one in like one in a month, and literally. That's what I mean. I moved. We moved. I moved back to Miami to live with my grandparents for like a year. Mm-hmm. When I when I when I was six, mm-hmm. and um, then I came back and I would just go to Miami on the summers. So I basically you know grew up in Houston.
0: Yeah. So after you after you after you okay. So six. You, you were there for a year. Then you go back to Houston. So six until your your like formative years that you can remember, right? Like teenager, um, high school what was that like were you playing like how how did you get into music obviously she gave you the rick james cold-blooded yeah. <laughs> so then what was what was kind of like the foray was it music or was it another form of creativity that kind of got you you know what i mean did you it was, take it was photos? always music.
1: my grandmother my grandmother played piano my, my grandfather played violin all people in my family play instruments so you so i'm learned, sorry my grandfather played trombone trombone my
0: bad so did you learn i imagine i don't know do you have perfect pitch
1: I used to. Okay. Because I know it, last night I kind of lost it a little bit now. The, right, right. I know the, last night banging Rob, in the studio so long.
0: Yeah, Rob was talking about you. you he had to teach you some of the music for yeah. for Hallelujah because I so. couldn't read. Because I
1: couldn't read. I couldn't read music at the time. So you just learned, learned off, off ear. of? Yeah, I did. My whole my whole career is based on it. My, learning by ear. I ended up learning how to read music down the line. But so
0: when did you start playing?
1: I was about six, six or seven. My grandmother used to um, when I lived in Miami. I have an aunt who is only six years older than me. Yeah, my grandmother's youngest, so we basically grew up together. Yeah, right. So, w- she was in piano uh, lessons. So my grandmother just was like, oh, "You going with her?" You know? And I never it was an old white lady. Named, I think her name was Miss Marie. Miss Marie. Mm-hmm. And we had these old piano books. Um, oh my God, what were they called? The John Thompson, John. Oh, this is like the the standard piano books, you know, that everybody used to get. And you know, she would. I remember Miss Marita I think was, we was in Hialeah. She was she lived in Hialeah, Florida. We'd drive there every Saturday, and she teaches these you know these classical numbers. And, and Nisa, who's my aunt, is was really good. I'm I'm, I'm really mad that Nisa stopped playing because yeah, she she was really <laughs> she was really good. Nisa was like a it's like a genius. You know yeah. what I mean? So she would pick things up and just kill it. You know yeah. what I mean? And because she was good at it, I wanted to be good at it. So that made me
0: want to learn. Okay. More. Yeah, you know I mean. So. Okay. Okay, and so then, so then you were just kind of learning on on not no not necessarily on a whim. You went, you took lessons, but then you get to HSPVA, and oh, you have that, you have Rob. Yeah, that, he that's- he got there late. You yeah, have Tanisha. You have yeah. uh, I forgot the other Tanisha's friend. Uh, uh, Cecily. Single, Jason Moran. Yeah. J- um, J- uh, what's Jason, her name? Uh,
1: you talking about um, talking about Cecily?
0: No, I forgot her name. I, we'll I have to circle back yeah, on that. Yeah. Uh, she was in LA last year when we did. Oh, for the branch. Yeah, yeah, can't yeah, yeah. I can't forgot remember. her name. Um. So then, so then you go to HSPVA. Yeah. Beyonce. The Kelly, oh. Like the, the whole. Cl- so yeah. now you're at yeah. a performing arts school.
1: Yeah, but it's 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 interesting how we how we get there. there, 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 there there's, a, there's a there's a there's a there's a journey to get there. Initially, a, a, the journey starts for me when it, I realized that it, that I wanted to write songs, or wanted to be creative, wanted to be in the creative space. It was early on, and it's. It's always it's always a a woman involved hmm. or girl involved. Uh, you know, it's like the the inspiration or the muse to make you say, "I'm
0: gonna go do that shit." So that's like the common thread in your life is oh, just yeah. women. Yeah, yeah. Not a bad, not in a bad way, but not a bad you, way. You, it's just you, what it is. I mean, you mo- get inspired.
1: Most of us, most most creators start. Stay. You, know, you look at Mark Zuckerberg. You know, he started Facebook. Well, you look at the story. There was all. It was a woman that. That inspired mm. that for him. Right. You know what I mean? Right. You know, you you talk to I- you know, any creative, yeah. you know, whether it's, you know, uh Miguel, whether it's real you know, Roe James, whether it's Brian and Brennan from Jagged Edge, who I talked to after we had the concert last night. <laughs> I, I called Brian this morning. Wow. And uh and we talk about doing some you know, <laughs> like, Man, of course we can do, you know.
0: is he have a new wifey? Oh
1: Brian! Yeah. Oh yeah, he just had a new he had a new baby. Just had oh a new baby. okay, because
0: yeah. I know a lot. You said last, night. so he was yeah. saying last night when we did our thing at Jenny's that Brian and his twin brother um, from Jagged Edge, you know, genuinely always have like you know no shade. They always have like a new wifey. So he yeah. Brian Brian well, girl, Cox was this like. this girl
1: Brian's been with for a while though. too. This girl okay. t- Tatiana, he's been with her for a minute. So okay. it's been it, it it's it's. This was real. This one's stable. Okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> this one's stable. Um, <laughs> he said
0: like every nine months it'd be like, oh, this is wifey and then we were younger, it was bad. Right. You know, it was
1: really bad when we were young. But now it's just it's he's pretty stable.
0: Okay. So then so then how how was that just kinda like nurturing and maturing your your growth as a creative being around some of these people, h s p v a oh and even before that, like the process before it that? Was,
1: the pva actually op- I mean, we keep referring to the pva pva is a high school football and visual arts and that particular place is w- really what opened up like everything for me because yeah. i was able to interact with other kids who were better than me hmm. you know i like i was in a space where i was around kids i could learn from yeah where before that you know i'm, I'm from the southwest side of houston I went to Welch Middle School, and not that there were no talented people there, because that's how I got to PVA. My best friend, Troy, went to Welch. He went to PVA before I did, and he's the one that actually pulled me in. Okay. There were some, some great, some talented people in my, in my middle school. Incredible. But I was like the guy. Okay. You know what I mean? Just so kind I, of I raw just, talent? You know, just walk around, randomly sing the girls.
0: Because you had all around. the girls as friends.
1: Bingo. And I, I'm always playing the piano. Brian plays the piano. I never forget because w- w- middle school is where I realized singing was cool. Okay. Because before singing and writing, and I, before I, I kind of kept that stuff to myself, I didn't really let people know that was what I did. My mother bought me a keyboard, and I kind of just let—I I didn't really let people at school know, right? Yeah. And I'll never forget. Um, Troy knew because Troy's my best friend, and Troy w- always wanted to sing be a group, and be in groups. sister then, the third Troy was in a group. He was in a group, and. Uh, he was like, Yo, man, you know, uh, we, we should do the talent show. You should come, you should sing at the talent show. You know, and I'm like, Oh, man, I don't know if I want to do that. I was nervous. Like, man, I don't want to do a talent show, man. You know, I just want to stay in the back and, sure. you know, I, I write and do, you know, whatever. You ain't got to tell nobody. No, man, I'm telling you, you should do a talent show. You know, is yeah. all about the girls. <laughs> so, you know, I'm telling you, man, you get all the girls. You know I'm telling you? Can, so, they know what you can sing. I'm like, No, nah, nobody don't care about me singing, man. You know, whatever. So, finally, he convinced me to do the talent show. So, I do the talent show. I do, uh, we sing, <laughs> we sing, Jodeci's "Stay."
0: Mm, classic.
1: And literally, you know, when it gets to the pop, it's, "Oh, here we are," you know, now I'm just me and you, <laughs> you know, hit, hitting the whole kick and all that.
0: <laughs> you have your Doc martens on too.
1: Uh, Oh yeah, oh yeah, and uh, and then and then I sang a solo song. I did a song, a random ass song that. Was a B side because Guy is like one of my one of my favorite groups and all yeah. that. But at, t- at that time, I did a song called "Smile." It's like on the B side of the Future, one of the best best Guy records ever. Nobody ever talks about this song, but this song's one of the best songs ever. And I sang the song. Nobody knew the song, right? Mm-hmm. But I did that on purpose because I wanted y'all to pay attention to me. Yeah. Right? So I do this song, and the song's like, you know, every time I see you, and I start singing the whole song, you know, and I was doing some Aaron Hall shit, too. (laughs) After the song, after the talent show, literally, I went from, like, the nerdy guy that played piano, literally after the talent show, it was like 20 girls around me on the stage, and like, I'm like, oh my God, one girl wrote over me, like, you my boyfriend. I couldn't even, I couldn't buy a date an hour ago. (laughs) <laughs> now you telling me I'm your boyfriend? Oh no, no, we have to chill. I don't know. I didn't even know how to take all that attention, but I realized that it was something special about singing and something special about creating music and making people feel a certain kind of way. Yeah. And um, that was the first thing that made me be like, oh, okay, because I you know in church, I sang in church every Sunday and played in church, and you know, you're not supposed to be looking for that kind of attention in church. You but know you
0: weren't I mean? around your peers doing it. You no. weren't embraced. No, 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 so no, no, you weren't no. I was around. saying,
1: baby. All that you know, Hallelujah. That really yeah. right But I wasn't really, you know, being at, like, being at school and singing. is like I found my niche, and I tried to play basketball. It's terrible.
0: Yeah, we saw you on, on terrible, Instagram terrible. My like shot's a little flicked, though. Yeah, uh, my I shot mean, wet
1: though. It was flicking. I mean, flicked. you were but knocking down. it down. You know, it was. It wet. was
0: It was just funny to me to see you. You know, <laughs> you were super transparent about that. Yeah. It was just funny to me to see you like shooting a jump shot. Hilarious. And it totally didn't look like your lane. And you were like, you know, my little man. He loves he basketball. Like seven, he's seven now. Six, yeah, he's six.
1: Seven. He loves basketball, and I can't play it, so I got to learn it. You know what I mean? I got to get at least get a jump shot. Right. So when I go to the basketball court, he don't kill me. You know what I mean? Because he's going to be my son is already half my size. He's going to be tall. Right. His mother's tall. My father's tall. Her father's tall. So I'm 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 like, man, I got to get a jump shot. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> and because I don't have one, I
0: don't.
1: <laughs> I'm you can terrible. you
0: want at least be competitive with him. With him.
1: You know what I mean? Right. So we can say, Dad, let's go play. Let's go hoop. Okay, let's hoop. You know? And you know, of course, he'll get to a space where he's really whooping my ass, but I at least want to be able to beat him a few times before it happens. Right. You know, <laughs> and, and um, so I, you know, I, 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 I was decent at football, but I didn't like getting hit
2: mm.
1: at all. You know, I could throw the ball like a motherfucker. I remember, I would never forget this. Uh, I proud for the football team, made it, play quarterback. I would, I would release the ball fast as hell because I did not want to get hit. Right, I yeah. never forget the first time I got hit. I literally, I got hit, and I was on the ground for like maybe a minute, and I got up. They they, they me, Next play, next play. I literally just walked off the field. <laughs> I like, oh, fuck, <laughs> y'all got this. <laughs> y'all, y'all, y'all motherfuckers got this. Y'all yeah. got this. What to go? Took my shit. Out. Like, what are you doing? I'm getting the fuck off this field. Right. What the hell is y'all talking about? I'm not. No. 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 <laughs> Nigga, I'm a lover, not a fighter, boy. Right. And um, so so, singing when I. The talent show, and I realized how much attention. I was like, I realized, "Oh, this is my niche. I, I I'm This is what I do. I'm a, I'm a musician. This is what I am." No, no. I talk,
0: I talk a lot about on the podcast, just on some of the early ep- earlier episodes of, about goal setting, about uh, community and collaboration, and like inspiration and intention, and the importance that those things play. Just not necessarily as part of the process, but just play as far as getting to where you're gonna go. So, can you talk a little bit about? Like you, you talked about everybody that kind of encouraged you from Troy to Tanisha to everybody that you named, and I'm forgetting names. Well, even even your aunties, right? Yeah, all my aunties. I mean, so and even yeah. in the church, like how yeah. important was community and collaboration to, for you to get to where you are? Whether it's encouragement, whether it's people saying, you know, hey, I'm gonna come and do this for you, or I'm gonna give you this sort of time, studios, whatever no, the was, case may be, to get to where you were at.
1: Absolutely important. It was the most important thing about in my life, really. Right, the collaborative. Process okay. Um, for example, how I met one of my first mentors, a guy named Preston Middleton, how I met him was uh, through a friend of mine named Dakina, Dakina Moore, okay. Dakina, Who's a accomplished actress, singer, she does, she's done Broadway, she's done a bunch of you know, she's really really you know, accomplished. Um, she was venturing off into singing, right? You know, and she knew that I wrote songs, and she was like, you know, this, this is high school, so she was like you know, Brian, I want you to write me some songs. Okay. And I would, you know, I would write songs on the spot, you know, like literally, especially if you're trying to impress a girl, you know, writing on the spot, you know. <laughs> and they were pretty good. So she was like, okay, well, listen, I want you to write some songs for me. It was like, cool. So we go to the studio. Well, you know, one of my you know, first times in the studio as a teenager, go to the studio, and a guy who I was named, Preston, Preston Middleton, I play some of the songs for him. He really, really likes them. Then that's how I meet him. That essentially is how I met Beyonce mm. and Kelly and Latoya and Latavia because they were connected Latavia. to him, connected to him that's through that's my through another through another you know yeah. uh, through Matthew through Anne they were connected to person through that. This is before Beyonce comes to PVA. They, she was, they were really little. because you know,
0: so you were probably a senior when she came in. Yeah, I was a senior when she came okay.
1: in. So at this time when I met them the first time I met them they were really little. And there was another girl that went to school with us. Her name is Ashley Davis, which you guys may know her as Tamar. She was signed to Prince. She did a lot of things with Prince. She put mm-hmm. like two albums out with him, and she's super dope. Like one of, th- one, like one of the, it was so many talented people around. Like I remember hearing Ashley sing for the first time and being like, yo. Why does this little girl sound like a grown ass woman? Yeah. You know, she's like, you know how Johnny Gill was thirteen and he sounded like you, know, you yeah. live. <laughs> like like she like she was like twelve and sounded like Regina Bell. You know what I mean? And was like ridiculous. She used to sing, if I could and she killed the shit. You know what I mean? And the girl I was in love with at the time's gonna be Judith Franklin. I, you know, I don't wanna I don't wanna skip over that because a lot of my life uh progressed because of this person, yeah. because of her. Um, she's an incredible vocalist, too, you know what I mean? I'm, I, f- I remember the day I fell in love with her. I saw her at some show and I was like, oh my God, she's beautiful and gorgeous and she sounds amazing, you know what I mean? And um, all these people, we were, all, we were like a community of children that wanted to make it, or you know, was trying, striving to make it. And our parents encouraged the shit. It like, was amazing is that we didn't have parents that were like, you shouldn't go yeah. after the music shit. But we had parents that was like, go after that shit. Yeah, you know what I mean. I'm a manager. this down the third, and somebody that might have been a little bit over over the top, but yeah. you know, between you know all the mothers trying to work together, you know, d- you develop a community because you want the kids to be safe. And yeah. if they are doing something that is positive and is safe, you know what I mean. You encourage it. Yeah. So we heard Robert bring up Sammy Davis Jr. Awards. A lot of us. That's where a lot of us kind get it. That's where a lot of us kind of it. You know what I mm-hmm. mean. Um, so, the collaborative process is, is the most important thing. So, in the, in, uh, like I say, it's in, in always two or three degrees of separation. So, Troy's my best friend. He's in a group called YIB. You know, back in the 90s, everybody had, like, acronyms and shit. YIB, Young Intelligent Brothers. Okay. Kay? And, uh... <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah. And... and, and Inside of that group, he had another friend named Scooby, who ended up being one of my lifelong friends.
2: Okay. Um,
1: And I wanted to be in that group. I wanted to be in Y.I.B. I I was like, yo, man, I want to be in that group. Hmm. Because I had a cousin named Talia who was in a group that was their sister group. The group was called Girls Order, called (laughs) G.O. Girls Order. Acronym, I'm telling you. And I wanted to be a part of the crew. Like, man, I want to be in that group, man. You know what I'm saying? But that Y.I.B. broke up. I Mm. I, I caught a break. Mm. Y.I.B. broke up.
0: And then you got on.
1: So what I did was I called Scooby. I called, I got, yo, let me call Scooby. I called his, uh, no, before we did that, we had a singing contest. (laughs) Oh, God. Troy had a birthday party. And at the birthday party, one of the niggas in the group, named Thomas, this nigga heard that I could sing. This nigga wanted to battle me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is like freestyle sing battles versus rap battles. This is
1: so pause. We were in the bathroom battling terrible. (laughs) (laughs) So just imagine, just picture, have have you guys seen that, um, Remember making a band when I was on making a band. Yeah. And I remember they were doing like uh trying to get the puff had brought like twenty new kids in the in the in the house. Just just and to the motherfuckers get them to do good. was battling. Yeah. That's what this that's what this seems like. Oh, but it's Lord. just me and Tommy. Me and Tommy. Lord. Lord. We going back and forth. He he hit one, I would kill, okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> and I hit something, he's like
2: Okay, all right, all right.
1: <laughs> then he come back, you know what I mean? It was really fucking ridiculous. I don't think about it, but <laughs> but it but it was funny and it was fun and we were kids and it was great. So the next day, Troy's like, Yo man, you should call school, man. This you know, we we, we needed to form a group. So I call school and I leave this answer uh, um uh, I leave a message on the air machine. No, like I said, man, I was I was Aaron hauled out, bro. Like R. Kelly, Aaron hauled <laughs> out. You know what I mean? And I sang, uh, "What's uh, Goodbye Love?" Uh, you know, even though I, I have straight, straight <laughs> Aaron on the voicemail. Yeah, on the voicemail, like, yo, man, I want to be in this group. You know what I mean? And I just started singing off the rip. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and they called me back, like, "Yeah, nigga, you can sing, man. <laughs> Come through, let let's connect. You know what I <laughs> mean?" <laughs> So then we, I don't know if they met at my house or we met at their house at Scoobies. I can't remember exactly how we connected, but then we connected and we started a group, right? So it was my house, kind of my house. And, um, and my mom was really, really, like, critical. Mm. You know, like, you know, my baby's the shit, so y'all better come with something. Yeah. You know, so we finally pulled it together and they was like, okay. I got a little something, then my auntie Schiller. Came in, who's a phenomenal singer. Yeah, she's just started developing that sub sort of group. It's funny. I'm thinking about this shit. It's hilarious because we didn't know what the fuck we was doing. Yeah, but we were just like going for it. Yeah, you know what I mean. But
0: you had that encouragement. You had that, and and, and even now, still, you still work with your mom. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people don't know, but you work with. Her, to my she man, she's
1: to my manager. I'm at forty.
0: Right. <laughs>
1: I'm forty years old. My mother's still my manager. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's awesome. That's, That's awesome, and and I like how there's no friction, and I, I finally got. To well, no, no, care.
1: no, there, there's there's friction now, but I mean I she, don't see it. She's right. my mama, so there's gonna be always that tug of war of like growing up and you know, but you know you gotta take care of your mama, you know, and my mom took care of me. So at the end of the day, it's like, the fuck you know? and she's smart. Yeah, Yeah, you know, she's very smart when it comes to the business and money and things that makes my mother's brilliant. So
0: right, right. So then so you're around the community and collaboration played a big part but then at HSPVA you're around all these people I think I think your path just me personally knowing I think your path was a little different direction right after after PVA Yes yes you go, it was. You, you go you decide to go to to Clark Atlanta Now shout out to Hold on a CAU few? the Panthers okay. in the building They in the building shout Hold out on to Ashley okay Hold on
1: CAU CA <laughs> y'all,
0: y'all here y'all here so you, <laughs> you you decided to go that route versus going to a Tish versus going to a, a yeah. new school like yeah. Robert to <clears> Tish. You had, all your friends went to this uh, performing okay. arts route. Let me let me, once, like, let me explain. So why, why did you go HBCU versus uh, hey I'm gonna go to uh, to to uh, the Tish to let wherever? Let me explain to, once again. Right?
1: Okay, I am a year older than Robert. Right. Okay. I'm a year older than my girlfriend at the time. My girlfriend at the time. Okay. You know what I mean. So I graduated in 96, they graduated in 97. Now, okay. I didn't know what the fuck I was going to do. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm going to keep it real. I knew I wanted to be a producer. I, wanted to, I, I, want, I didn't look at the next level of education in music. I didn't look at it as something that was something that was going to benefit me. Yeah. I wanted to be a bad boy hitman.
0: Mm. And I felt
1: like going to fucking new school wasn't going to get me there. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? I felt like I don't know how to make beats, I don't know how to write songs. I want to be... Uh, with Organized Noise. I okay. want to be with, and you got with Bad Boy. Them. I want to be with, you know what I mean? For me, I was just trying to, I, I knew early that I wanted to be in that business. Okay. You know what I mean? Well, I think a lot of times when people go to New School or, Man- oh. or, or, or Berkeley or things like you, you're still in a place where you want to develop more. You don't know how to get into the workplace. I know how to get into the workplace, but I knew, I had access, I, I was access to the studio, I was working with Greg Curtis, and I was writing songs every day. I was making demos every day, and I was like, Shit! This is this this is what you know. <laughs> this is what I, I'm already. A, I'm, a, this is al, I'm already doing this. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, what happened was I went. To, uh, I, the transition a transition happened for me. I did a session with Beyonce and uh, Kelly. Mm-hmm. This is when they first signed to Columbia Records, and we were always friends. So you know they always. Was, you know, when they were working with Dwayne Wiggins, you know, we'd we'd have long conversations. My my mama phone bill would be because they be in Oakland. <laughs> and go, why, why my phone bill so damn high? I'm like, That's well, before you know, unlimited calls, yeah, and yeah. Long distance. And then you know you put in the call ID box, you know, ring. Yeah, and, the little white you box. Know, exactly. And you know, I get an Oakland number come up. I'm like, oh, it's Beyonce and you know, Kelly and Latavia. You know, I would talk to them. We you know we would we were very very close in that. And and they were like my window, like you know, he on outside window shopping. He look like damn. I wish I could buy that damn. You know what I mean? Yeah. They were like my window to the music business. I, you know, I had another friend named Teron who was signed to Atlantic Records. He was in a group called Grooveview. He was signed to the Atlantic Records, but they had caught some hard times. And he was in Houston trying to figure it out. And he, me, and him started working together. And that was like a another window because he had worked with like Donnell Jones, or worked mm-hmm. with a bunch of, you know, uh, with Kenny Smooth. And so he comes back from New York. This is when New York was like, you know, we talking about '95. New York was this shit. Yeah when it came to the music business, it was here. So he lived here for like two years, worked with all these people, came back to Houston with this knowledge, you know what I mean, from being up here. So I, I soaked up some of that, you know what I mean? And, no one be, and growing up with Beyonce and Kelly and I was, uh, soaked up all that. And my session with them made it like, okay, now this is what I do, hmm. right? So I made a decision when I graduated high school, like okay, this, uh, I'm gonna wait a year to doing, to make a move. Because Greg was still there. I had access to the studio.
0: He was, young, he was a year younger than you.
1: No, Greg Curtis was older. Oh, okay. No, Greg He's Greg older Curtis, old. was older. Way older than me. But I'm saying, because he, he had a studio. so I, uh, He was my mentor at the time. I said, I'm going to stay here for a year.
0: Shout out to one of the bad boy hitmen that just came in. What's but,
1: uh, up there, man?
0: <laughs> he wanted to be a bad yeah. boy hitman. Okay, so yeah. Greg Curtis, he was in the studio.
1: Yeah, so so I would, I would spend time. I said, I'm going to take this year, and I'm going to develop with Greg. Hmm. Build with him, Greg and Scooby and T. I'm going to build with them. Um, it worked out because my girlfriend was a year behind. Yeah. So I, I could still be with her.
0: So you were but in I Atlanta going back to Houston? No, no I, no, I hadn't
1: left yet. I was in Houston. Oh, okay, so you took a year off? I don't leave Houston. I don't leave Houston in 97. So you took a
0: year off before you went to Clark? Yeah. Okay.
1: So, so I, I went to TSU, Texas mm. Southern, first. Nobody don't know that. Another HBCU. I was so loved. I I, I was so, I I did it because my mom was like, if you're going to stay in this house, you're going to go to school.
0: Okay. I was like, fuck.
1: Hmm. (laughs) So I enrolled in the most least amount of classes I can enroll in. You know what I mean? Just the matriculation. I might have had like maybe three classes, yo. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just so my mom could be like, all right, all right, I'm in fucking school. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I worked at Guitar Center.
2: Hmm.
1: And I worked at the studio. You know, and I was able to kick it with my girlfriend, go to prom with her, and my, my other best friend. <laughs> Rob was a year behind, so I was able to kick it with all my boys. Troy was in college, but Troy was in College Station, right up the street. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really lose like that circle of friends that I had. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? We all still were connected in a real way. And the following year, when they graduated high school, or was about to graduate, that's when the pressure started kind of. You know what I mean? Like, okay, I got to fucking do something, right? I got to do something. And uh, my girlfriend at the time was like, "Yeah, well, I'm, you know, well, she, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, go- I'm going to Atlanta." You know. I'm so you followed her. It, ultimately, she was the she was the def- definitive <laughs> she was the defining moment of the decision. You know what I mean? Because initially, I wanted to go. I wanted to come up here. Initially, I was okay. I want to be a bad boy hitman, so I'm moving to New York. Mm. And Rob was coming up here. I was like, "Well, fuck it, I'm moving to New York." I'm gonna find fucking Puff Daddy. I'm gonna find that nigga. That's who I wanna be assigned to. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, so, um, and, and, so I talked to the, uh, I forgot the lady who was the dean at, at, uh, the new school. She used to come to Houston all the time to see Rob. Mm-hmm. And we, and because she would see Rob, naturally me and her developed a relationship. And we had a conversation. I was like, "Yeah, I wanna come, you know, I wanna come to man is, you know. And I told her what my goals were. I was like, "Yo, I want, you know, I want to am a producer. You yeah. know what I mean? But I need to learn. You know, I want to, I want to get in the community of music, whatever." And she was gonna help me. And then something happened where I just, I thought about like my girlfriend going to Atlanta and me not being there.
0: You just wasn't with and, like, that. Like
1: another nigga scoping down, yeah. and swooping her up and shit. That's real. I just wasn't fucking with that. Yeah. <laughs> it was just to keep it real. So I was like, "Well, Atlanta's not that bad." You know, what I'm thinking like, "Hey, like yeah, they got organized, noise there, Jermaine Dupri's the there." LaFace, LaFace is there? Okay, I'll go to Atlanta. Yeah. You know, and uh, that's really she was. You know, I gotta give it. I gotta give it up to her. Like she was the, she was the defining moment to maybe say, okay, yo, I gotta go to Atlanta because you know I, you know, I thought that you know at that point in my life, I thought that that was the woman I was gonna marry. Mm. I always say that women are
0: you young. Know, I mean, you were 18, as 18, 18 well. That's. I mean, that's. I mean, it, it makes sense in the South to think yeah. that that's the person you're gonna marry at eighteen, yeah. but that's very. Ambitious at that very age, very ambitious. I
1: mean, now now I look back, and I'm like, Nick, you was fucking crazy. Yeah, you know, you know what I mean. But, I mean, but it's happened though. Like, I, I have one of my great friends named Alex Reeds. He um he he, he married his high school sweetheart. You know, Christina. They've been married. You know, they've been married for 20 years. You know, mm. you know, I, you know. I, I, we it happens. It, it, it's happened around us. So for me, it's like it was possible. Yeah, just you know, Anything I, is possible. I didn't realize. I didn't really. I didn't realize how lit Atlanta was gonna be though. So, <laughs> so, so your girl your girl in the time did she go to Clark or yeah, she went to Clark. Okay. Who went to Clark?
0: So what what was the environment like there? Because you have you have the AUC, you have Clark, Morehouse, Spellman, uh is Morse Brown was still Morris Brown, there. Morse well. Brown was there. So Morse Brown. um I mean, it's an interesting environment, right? Like, Shit. I, I would imagine because shell I went, also went to HBCU. Shell shot. It, it doesn't seem like it's going to be shell. stimulating creatively. Fucking so, what was shell that shock. experience like as far as like.
1: Fucking shell shot. Yeah. i ain't never been around so many motherfucking niggas in my life. <laughs> and I use that term like that because that's how I was thinking back then. Like, yeah. yo, look at all the fucking black people. What year was this, by the way? This is 97.
0: 97. Um, and were you there? Were You, you were there in 97? Oh, oh shoot. Okay.
1: So I'm looking around like, yo.
0: Because <laughs> Ant came from Houston, too. I just yeah. asked, you know what I mean? Like, he can also probably see the experience. Because
1: Houston's diverse. Okay. You know, in, in in an interesting kind of way. You know what I mean? There's definitely, I mean, a, a surplus of black people in Houston. You know what I mean? Okay. But, like, for example, uh, the Jack in the Box that was on South Gessner and West Belfort. You know what I mean? You know, I mean, it's, that's essentially in my neighborhood. But, you know, you might pull up and uh, you, you, order, you take your order and, and it might be, when you pull around, it might be a Mexican. You know, right. or you pull around, it might be a white boy. You pull around, it might be a black
2: person. Yeah.
1: Listen, every fast food place I went to, every restaurant I went to, every fucking mall I went to, anything that I went to, the people that worked there was black, the people that were shopping there was black, motherfucking. I mean, it was like I'd never seen so much blackness. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like everywhere I turned, it was black people. And I remember I had a conversation with Babyface one time, and he told me it was why he left Atlanta. He was like, "Y'all had to get the fuck out of Atlanta."
0: It's I was super like, He had a conversation with. I was Babyface. Like, what? <laughs> I was
1: like, what? <laughs> "I said, what? Why?" You know what I mean? Because y'all, you know, he was like, "Man, I couldn't." You know, Babyface is the kind of person. He, he's really laid back, yeah. so he likes to go to the full court. He likes to. He's not your average store, <laughs> or your, your average star. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's not. Babyface is very fucking regular. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> to the point where he—he you know, he don't even like you to call him Babyface. Like you meet him, he's a oh, it's Babyface. But after you get to know him, you have to call him by his name. Like, he will, he'll, 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 he very seldomly answers the face. Mm. You know, you have to—he answers the to Kenny, but okay. very, very seldomly answers the face. So he's talking to me about Atlanta. He's like, well, what happened was the last straw for him. Because he would go to the food court in Lenox. And I'm like, the food court at Lenox? Are you crazy? Pop <laughs> You whip a pill, nigga. Like, are you, <laughs> are you crazy right now? That's black folk. That's the it, You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know. But you know, he he lived so, so many years in L.A. L.A. is very different than, L- I mean, L.A. is just it stars everywhere. So nobody, nobody care. Yeah. You know? But Bayface could be a target. No, I don't give a damn about, you know, L.A. Yeah. But if Kenny goes to Target. In Atlanta. In Atlanta. Girl, Curtis it's Face, We're back, you know? <laughs> So he said the last straw for him was he uh, <laughs> he used to like to eat Crystal Burger. Do you mean know, anybody knows what Crystal Burger is, right? So <laughs> he went to the drive-through a Crystal Burger, pulls up, and he orders whatever, whatever. Pulls around, and the girl sees him. You know, the middle-aged black woman sees him, and she fucking loses it. Mm. You know. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, babies, oh my god. He's like, Yeah, okay, cool. I just I just want my one burger. She's like, oh no, uh-uh, mm-mm, Uh-uh, you we about to uh uh-uh, uh girl, let's go take pictures. Like he's like, yo, can I just get my burgers? Yeah. You know what I mean? They all walk outside, run his car. they this is this back before camera phones, so I somebody must have one of them box camera yeah. or the
0: disposable bit, joints.
1: Yeah, disposable joints are like, yo, and he's just like, you know what, I got to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you know, he moved back to LA, and you know, some people like even you know, he helped build the town. For him, it just it still it still was a sh- a shell shock. Like you don't you know what I mean? Now it's a little different because we're 20 years later, and there's so many stars living in Atlanta now. It's just it's just it's, it's Atlanta's like LA now. You mm. know, when it comes to that, like don't nobody really care. Yeah. But back then, back in the 90s, it was a big deal to see Bobby Brown.
2: Yeah.
0: A
1: big deal to see Babyface at Crystal Burger. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if I seen Bayface What's
0: what's the comparison to Crystal Burger for those that are listening that oh, might not and, uh, know? It's like White York, Castle. White Castle. Okay. It's White Castle in New York. Okay. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm not yeah, familiar yeah, with Crystal Burger yeah, yeah, so
1: it's white, it, it's exactly White Castle. The exact same shit.
2: Okay. <laughs> um
1: it's terrible too. It's <laughs> it's, ter- it's good and terrible. What did they say? Oh, it was good and terrible on uh, Coming <laughs> to America. Um so so it's it, it, me moving to Atlanta was like like I remember I met Andre three thousand in the West End. That shit was wild. You mm. know what I mean? Like, it's like, but at-
0: he he wasn't even three stacks then. He was just under. oh
1: 90, in ninety seven he was oh, I mean, okay. he was Andre though. Okay, he was Outcast was popping in ninety seven. Yeah. It was popping. you yeah. know what I mean? It was it, it was like oh my god it's fucking Andre, you know. Um, so it just it, it, Atlanta really it was shell shock for me. It was like you know what I mean, and the surplus of just. You could open up the phone book and call DARP in Dallas Austin, mm. you know, studios. You could call the face records, you could call and, and go down there. Yeah. You know, being from Houston, it was like shit, the only thing we had really was rap a lot. And you know, Swab House was there for a little bit, but and 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 you know, for me I didn't I didn't fit in those that mold. You know, rap a lot was real it's rap. It's yeah. Ghetto boys, Scarface, it's you know what I mean? And I didn't know if I fit in that you know, in that category or that mold. You know what I mean? Swave House, um, we're talking about Tila, we're talking about, you know, and, and Grant, legendary, Tony Drake like legend, J yeah. Prince, legend. You know what I mean? Built the business that is the Houston music business.
2: But yeah.
1: I didn't feel like I fit anywhere in the mold of that. So anything outside of that was just kind of bootleg. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just to, p- just to put it in perspective, there wasn't no other real record labels there. It wasn't, I mean, it was really Rap-A-Lot. You know what I mean? Rap-A-Lot was it. Suave House was it. That's it. And it seemed like they weren't really trying to diversify. The pu- you know what
0: I mean? And put R and B dudes. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't
1: really trying. Swave, I tried, but it didn't really. You know, it seemed like rap a I knew this is what we do. Yeah, we do this. We do the loonies. We do, you know, we do uh, 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 um, Scarface. We do. You know what I mean? You know, and they built a whole empire of that. Hmm. And I, I don't think that they were even interested in doing anything that was left of that. You hmm. know what I mean? So, I didn't feel like there was a lot of opportunity for me in Houston for what I was trying to do. Yeah. But I got to Atlanta it was it was totally different. Totally different. You know what I mean? It was so many outlets. So
0: were you, were you stimulated cuz when I go to Atlanta I love it, right? Like yeah. like you say it's it's almost kind of like the black mecca in America it is. if you will. Um and, Atlanta and, and DC so, like those are like the two blackest towns. Yeah, for sure, for like sure, Atlanta. DC's Chocolate City. So I I know personally like I'm not crazily stimulated when I go to Atlanta uh, creatively, mm. right? Like I'm stimulated by other things, but it's just kind of like so what what was that like? Like, were you stimulated to kind of yes. do things? Because you, you, you got there, what, 18, 19, but then, but then we look back at your first – we talked about this yesterday, and then I was talking to Ann about it earlier. You look at your first placement, Ideal. So, like, did that happened oh, in Atlanta? Did that happened in Houston? Like, Because they're from Houston. I didn't even know. That's what you know Let me mean?
1: explain to you how the Ideal thing happened, okay?
0: Because that was your first break in one into of my the first, industry, if you
2: will.
1: One of my first placements. So what happened was, okay, I signed this company in noontime, right? So hold Would on, you,
0: before you, if you guys don't, Ideal is I Think You Better Leave, Me leave. Alone. That's one yeah. of my favorite songs of all time, but okay, so, so, so go ahead. So
1: what happened was, I had signed a Noontime, right? Chris Hicks and Noni and, and Ryan had given me an opportunity, I signed a Noontime, and I started making records with Brian and Brandon Casey from Jagged Edge. Right. We were going to be a writing team, we were going to. Figured some shit out. Because, okay, I met Jonte Austin during that period, too, but Jonte was mad young at the time. Jonte was 16, Mm -hmm. and he was writing smashes. But Jonte was connected to Teddy Bishop.
0: And you were in – this is in Atlanta.
1: No, this is in Atlanta. This is in Atlanta. So Jonte was like Teddy Bishop's writing partner. Even though me and him were close in age and we became fast friends, but initially we couldn't do a lot of writing together because he was doing a lot of writing with Teddy Bishop.
2: Mm.
1: Everybody kind of had their own little – People they would rock with. Like Jazzy had his own people. You know, Jazzy Faye was out New time. He had his own people he would rock with. Yeah. Teddy had his people he would rock with. J. dove had his people he would rock with. Dent had his people he would rock with. So I was, um, n- you know, the the new the new cat, the new young cat, who really was still developing really as a producer, and I didn't have nobody to write with. Mm-hmm. So I was basically writing with my girlfriend, or writing by myself, or you know what I mean. And <laughs> one day. Uh, Chris called me like, "Yo, man, I w- I'm a, a, a i am i want to hook, hook you up with uh, Brian and Brandon." I had met Brian and Brandon before, and they would say, yeah, we want to work," but you know, you know, everybody say that. You know, we want to
0: work. We go work. We gonna work. We get at you. I get that a lot now. Yeah. Woo. Yeah.
1: Catch <laughs> you while I go over here with Jermaine. Right. We'll come back to you? Yeah. You know. Um, so then Chris hooked up the meeting with me and Brian and Brandon, and literally the first day, we we, we had a meeting. We talked. And then the first day we did the song called "Call Me," right? And literally, it was so fast, so quick when we did it. And my, my Chris was, because Chris sat in the room and watched us do it. And He was like, "Yo, y'all, y- I'm putting y'all together. Y'all gonna be a team, mm. right?" And I didn't realize. I never To me, I I talked to Chris and Brian lately. I didn't realize that Brian and Brandon actually was like, "We want to work with him." Mm. Like I didn't believe them when they told me that, but they actually, Chris, I like, know that's true. They actually sought you out because you were new. Hmm. You know what I mean, and they knew that we could really develop something special. Yeah. So <coughs> we did call me, and it was a, g- I mean, a great song. Like I remember it. Like I, w- I wish I could find the song. Like it's such an incredible song. And I was so impressed with Brian and Brandon's ability. I was like blown away with their ability to write as fast as they were mm. able to write, but as dope as they were. Like they had this quality about their writing that was almost like it was soulful, but they, you could tell they listened to a lot of like. Hall of Notes and a lot of like, you know what I mean, uh Bobby Caldwell, like they listened to a bunch of other shit. Wham and George Michael and, and those other influences. And those influences really kind of drove their melodic perspective. You know what okay. I mean? Even though they, you know, they came from the church, they grew up in New Birth and they sang, you know, commission and all these things, but they 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 had this other thing that was like this dope harmonies, almost like Steely Dan type thing that they Excellent. had with the harmonies. And I was like, yo, like, these these motherfuckers is incredible. Like, one of the most, one of the p- a pivotal points for me as a songwriter, like, yo. So we started working quickly. Okay. And um, I get a call from Houston. I'll never forget this guy. You know, Donnie, Donnie Scantz, who I found out down the line is actually my cousin. We, I, we, didn't <laughs> know that, we didn't know that in high school, but down the line we found out that D. Scantz was my cousin, that we were actually related. Um, Donnie Scantz called me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And... Donnie went to PVA. I knew Donnie from high school. So me and Donnie always stayed well, always friends. He was always somebody I looked up to. And Donnie was like one of the first producers that was like, he has this thing that I always tell him that he, like you're you're everybody's favorite producers, like you're a producer's favorite producer. Like Donnie's a person that we wouldn't have, you know, you know, God bless, you know, I know all got you know, but we wouldn't have Polo to Don as we know Polo to Don right mm-hmm. now without Donnie Scantz. Mm. Like just to keep it all the way real, you know what I mean? Jamal is my man, and he's a hustler. He got and he he made it happen for himself. But I know, where the <laughs> I know the roots of that shit. Yeah. And Donnie's well, well, well endowed in the roots of that. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, and for me, the same thing. Donnie was making records and producing on ASR Ten and all that shit before I even knew, even stepped in the studio. So he, for a lot of us, Donnie was the first look at. Mm like, studio shit at on Records, like, you know, he moved. He was the first person to move to L.A. He went to Howard, then moved to L.A. And was Another working HBC, with I- I- okay. the Ideal, did that deal with Virgin. He went out there and was their musical director. So Donnie calls me, like, yo, um, I, I heard you, you know, did this deal at noontime, this, then, the 3rd, and we're coming out there to work with you. I was like, really? It's like, yeah, we're coming out to work with you. Uh, Chris Hicks, who's my manager, he... Was friends with their manager. Mm. Her name was Carmenique. Mm. And he called Carmenique, was like, Yo, I got this kid. You know, he's from Houston. And they said his name. And Carmenique was like, Y'all know Brian Michael Cox? And everybody's like, Yeah, we know that. You know. I knew. I, I grew up with them. I knew all of them. And um, so he's like, We're coming out to work with you. I was like, Cool. So they came out. And really, the first song we did, first joint we did was Creepin', was the first song we did, actually. Okay. Um, and we did another song with Teddy, I think I did a record with Teddy Bishop called Things You Won't Do. And as I was working on Jagged Edge, I was working on Jagged at the same time. We did a song called What You Trying to Do For It. That's mm-hmm. on the J Heartbreak album, right? So at the time we were working on that uh, on that particular song. And I remember John Tate came in the room while we were working on it. He was like, Yo, what is that? you know. And I was like, shit, it's just it's the song's wild got like wild guitars, got a scream in the background and they d- Singing double time, like what the fuck is that? You know what I mean? And I was always this jagged joint I'm working on, you know. He's like, yo, I need, I need a track like that. Like, make me a track like that. I was like, okay, cool. Uh, you know, I, I was really enthralled in jagged, so I was like, oh, I'll get to it when I get to it, you know. So every day, John Hill comes to me like, nigga, did you make the track? <laughs> I'm like, nah, 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 man, I'm, I'm gonna finish up this. I mean, every day, John Taylor hounded me for like two weeks mm. about this track, and I was like, all right, shit, I'm gonna make the track. To so me, I pulled Kevin Hicks in, who's a guitar player. Pull him in, I say, yo, let's make something for John Tate real quick. Just a quick little something for John Tate to write to. He just, said, just to
0: just get it up, just,
1: to just really because I I wanted to follow through, and he was pounding me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I, I didn't want to get to a place where he stopped asking me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, you know, like, well, let me at least get this track to John Tate. It's one of the first times we actually did anything together. So we make the track, you know, just real fast. You know, th- uh, pr- uh, I give him the progressions. He laid a guitar down. I put, like, a little kick snare on it. I said, John Tate, I got an idea. I played it for him. He's like, cool. He takes the debt. You guys are w- that A dat tape is, yeah, he takes the dat, and he goes home, and he writes Get Gone.
2: Mm. Comes
1: back, he says, I got the song. Comes back, plays the song for him, like, oh, shit, this song is a smash. Yeah, You know, R. Kelly, uh, now, now mind you, Jontae is extremely influenced by R. Kelly. And at that time, Makes R. Kelly, sense. the double album was out. And we was killing that album. I'm talking about, that was like, we listen to the album every day. Mm-hmm. So, and Jontae's writing, writing style was influenced directly by that by that particular album. Mm. So, you know, When a Woman's Fed Up, One Man Can Make a Woman Hate on Me, Like th- all them songs, them records was highly influenced, like, j- like the Giants, it was highly influenced by
0: the I see records. the connectivity now. So From, uh, from Get Gone. Get going.
1: So Get Gone is a direct baby from R. Kelly's double R album. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and I remember just saying to myself like, Yo, bro, you are the truth. And they sent the song to ideal. They wanted to do it. And I was like, Well, listen, that track is whack. <laughs> Cause I just kind of threw it to <laughs> <laughs> I threw it together to just get, you know, get John T to get the song down. So my first time this is my first time ever going to Los Angeles, you know. Mm-hmm. My first time working at a really, really big studio. Uh we go we work at Tracking Place, which ended up which used to be Solar and it was tracking place and then now it's Diane Warren studio, but it's on Mm Kauanga, and uh, and uh, I I never forget my first time going to L.A., I was mad nervous. I packed all gray. How ironic! I I uh, I packed all gray. I didn't uh I didn't uh I was worried about earthquakes. You know, I remember somebody told me something that the all the buildings were on wheels or some shit because. No, I remember somebody she told me that shit, like, yeah, the building's on Wilkers. So I'm like in the middle of the night, like, is the building moving? What the fuck? You know? I was super, super uh just green when it came to LA. I was just so nervous. I didn't I was like, man, I'm gonna just go to the studio, go back yeah. to the hotel, I'm not doing shit. Like literally my first trip to LA, all I did was hop in the car service, went to the studio, came back to the hotel. I stayed at uh uh the Mondrian. Mm. So I, it was cool because the sky bar was downstairs, so I got a chance to kind of just kick it downstairs, yeah. but I never left the hotels. So
0: because you're 19 up. at this point.
1: Yeah. I was fucking nervous as hell. I don't want to get shot by no bloods or crips.
0: Right. Which is why you wear gray.
1: Exactly. That's why. I, mean, all I, pa- I know literally, my whole suitcase was gray. Gray. I didn't pack no blue jeans. <laughs> you know what I mean? All I packed was gray sweats, gray hoodies, gray- white shirts. That's it. I was like, man, I'm not getting shot. Smart. You know? But of course, then after, you know, we uh, I'm in the studio, I'm working with Manny Mariquin, who is an uh, incredible mix engineer, recording engineer. He actually did all of the, my first time actually doing overdubs. And like, like Get Gone has a lot of shit in it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, we mic the pianos. Like, yo, I, I play piano from top to de- top, the to song all the way down a couple times. And, you know, I added timpanies and all kinds. Of, I, I just, this is my first time actually producing a song out, taking a song and saying, okay, we're going to produce it out, and then doing their vocal, like like sitting there doing their vocals and like working with a, a vocalist like Maverick.
0: But mm-hmm.
1: like, that motherfucker sings his ass
0: off. So Ant was talking about him earlier.
1: So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit intimidated, because I'm like, I got to produce this guy? Like, I got to tell him how to sing? I don't <laughs> know what the fuck to tell this dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. But he nailed it. Everything I told him, he killed it, took it to another level. And literally, it, after the song was done, it was like, yo, this shit is a hit. Yeah, like one of the first times I felt like I knew what I was doing.
0: I don't ever really talk about success too much, but I think you know you're you're 19 at the time. You go to LA for the first time. You meet Brian and and um, Brian and Brandon first time. So, it, like, you got you got a taste of it, and you were still in college. Did you, I was you Still fin- in college. You finished at Clark, right?
1: No, I left a year early, but I, okay. I, at this point, I was still there. Okay, so
0: like I mean, you got to taste the success early. I, I, yeah. I never talk about success in, in, on, on the pod. This is my first time. So you, you're my first music person I'm talking to. Yeah. Um, as far as musician and and somebody that works in the in the business, yeah. but like, what did that feel like? We, we, we still got a lot of ground to cover in the next like 15 minutes. But, like, what did that feel like being 19, covering you know being successful and 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 now you 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 just said you knew it was a hit when you heard it after it was kind of mixed.
1: Yeah, but it still hadn't been on the radio, so I didn't know how I, you know I didn't know what it was gonna feel like. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it You know, I, I signed my first deal at Noon Time, and I got a check for seventeen thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Th- you know, seventeen thousand is like seventeen million at, seven, at nineteen.
2: Right.
1: You know, I was going on uh, just my first LA trip. I didn't have to pay for anything because regular would pay for everything. So for me, I just I, it was still kind of numb. I was still trying to figure out how to feel. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I didn't really know how to feel at the time. I was just like, I'm just glad to be in the studio. I only had ten dollars in my pocket, mm-hmm. but I was just glad to be in the studio. Right. Thank you. I was glad to be in the studio. You know, just like shit. You know, and um, yeah, I didn't know how to feel at the time. Hmm. When it was a hit, like me, like me and uh, Robert talked about this last night. We were in a car together. when We first heard this st- get gone on the, on the radio. Yeah, we were just bugging out. Pulled on was like oh shit you know, because it's like all of those years you know, of like building up to that point you know, and I go back to when I first started saying I was gonna be a, a songwriter producer you know, early nineties.
0: So that happened in the summer. You you came to New York. You were back in Houston. Because I mean you, Rob was in New York at the time. You were in Atlanta. We were in Houston. Okay, so you, I was in Houston when I, I first heard it.
1: So okay. me and Rob were together in Houston when we first heard it. Okay. Pulled over and was like shit.
0: This is crazy.
1: And and they only played it. Like the, one, like, the first time I heard it, it was like, then I started hearing it all day. Because mm. the they're from, they from Houston. Yeah. So it was like the first time you had an R&B group outside of H-Town, right, that had a you hit. Know about H-Town. That, you yeah. know what I mean? And H-Town at that point was kind of, they were kind of on hiatus. So there was no H-Town records out at the time. So h Towns on a hiatus. Here comes Ideal with this hit. Mm. Houston jumped right behind it, like, quickly. So it was like, as soon as they got the record, it was like, this record's gone. That song was being played, like, every hour on the hour in Houston. Mm. So that summer was the first time I ever heard, the first time I experienced a record being played over and over and over again. Yeah. Right? So, but ironically, at the same time, we're working on Jagged Edge. You know, Jagged Edge, He Can't Love You. The album was done, right? I'm almost done. I I just started working with Jermaine. The first song me and Jermaine did together was Let's Get Married.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Keys to the Range, Let's Get Married were the first two songs we did. So um, we're in the process of finishing that album. Get Get Gone is out. And then Jermaine says, okay, cool. I'm putting He Can't Love You out. And it's crazy because I I produced He Can't Love You by myself.
2: Yeah.
1: And nobody believed that Jermaine would do that. Even my managers didn't believe it. Because we had an argument about some other song that he was talking about putting out. And j- my manager, me, we got into a huge fight. One of the very few fights that me and Chris have ever had. He told, he looked at me and said, nigga, do you think that Jermaine Dupree is going to put a single out on his group, on his label, that he ain't fucking produced? You're crazy. Because they, the they wanted the song for their artist that I didn't like. Yeah. They hit artists, artists called Absolute. And I was like really, I didn't really fuck with them like that at the time. Like Corey and Yaru were my niggas. But I just felt like they didn't fuck with me. So I was like, well, shit. Why am I giving this record to two cats that don't even fucking like me? They want to work with J-Dub and let let them do that. They don't fuck with me. right? But it was a record that Noontime wanted. So me and Chris got into this big argument. And I finally gave in. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. You want the record? Y'all can have the record. Then that's when we made He Can't Love You. Play He Can't Love You for JD. Jay was like, I'm putting this shit out. Mm. As is. I was like, oh, shit.
0: You had, you did the scratch and everything on that? I did the whole I did the whole whole song. And they, just, they so they just laid the vocals. No no they song. wrote no they wrote the song.
1: So then um, next thing I know, Gigan's out and He Can't Love You comes out and goes moves fast like because Jagger was already popular. You know, Gotta Be was a popular thing. Yeah. He, he Can't Love You comes out and moves fast. So now I have two songs in the top five mm. I- out of nowhere.
0: How did that feel? Crazy. What, 21
1: at this point? 20? I wasn't 21 yet. I was 20. I wasn't 21 yet. I wasn't 20. I just remember being like totally fucking blown away about having two songs in the top five, right? Then Jermaine drops Let's Get Married. Mm. The Let's Get Married comes out, goes number one. Mm. So I had my first number one, right? So now he can't love you. Ideal's out. Creepin' is out, so Creepin's is going top 10. Then, Let's Get Married comes out, goes number one, right? Then the shit just became like a snowball. Because everything I've been working on started coming out. Mm. Now, all this stuff was happening simultaneously with the girl that inspired me to fucking move to Atlanta in the first place, Yeah, breaks up with me. Fucking breaks up with me, yo.
0: So what did, what did you write? Like, yo, listen, bro. No, hear no, hear me
1: out. I don't think y'all understand. I've never been that heartbroken and my in, like there's no heartbreak that tops that heartbreak.
2: Not even mm-hmm. J E heartbreak.
0: Nothing.
1: Okay. There's no heartbreak that <laughs> taps that tops the day that Judith Franklin broke over with me. There's nothing that, there's no heartbreak that
0: tops that. Judith, how does it feel?
1: Oh no 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 we talked about that. No 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 no, no no. Me and Judith are good now. No, no, <laughs> no. Kidding. I don't want this her. That's my that's no, my no, that's my yeah. homie. It's my homie. She's
0: like the inspiration. I that's mean, my my homie.
1: but literally there's nothing because at the time we were young and we didn't understand. That we can, that we didn't have to spend every waking moment together. Right. And what happened was when I started working, a lot. It took me away from her. Mm. And we were young like that. You, you spend every day with somebody since you was fifteen years old. Yeah.
0: You
1: know what I mean? And it changes all of a sudden. You kind of don't know how to. How to act. How to flip that. Yeah. And we didn't really know how to.
0: And it adjust to it transition as well, to that, right.
1: right? I'll never get this man. She called me and she called me and, and she broke with me on the phone too that was terrible
0: my ex tried to do that and that was she called me it.
1: and I remember begging yo I'll never forget this I remember begging like yo please don't do this like we are right, right. here Like don't do this like cause my here's my goal my goal was to make $150,000 and get married that's that was my, my goal in life you know you're from Houston yeah. south marriage is eight, eight, 19 you don't know, we'll get married that's it's it regularly yeah that was my goal in life. She broke with me. I was like, yo, my world, just watched my world just crumble. Like, oh, my God, right? So the irony is that we had just started working with Usher.
0: 8701.
1: Just started working with him. Mm. And the very first song, after, literally, (laughs) literally after, and she broke with me like when, Let's right before let's get married. Like went number one, mm. so it's really interesting.
0: I know she was. Sorry. I go
1: to the studio to work with Usher, yeah. And the very first song we write is "You Got It Bad," right? And I remember because usually I would just work on tracks and shit. I kind of got away from writing because when we start working with Brian and Brandon and me and John. Just started writing. I'm just I'm gonna leave it up to them. motherfuckers is you know fast, quick, you know what I mean. But Jermaine wouldn't let me do that. Like, JD would be like, yo, man, here, pen and pad. Like, we writing, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We.
0: So you just had sessions, writing, writing sessions.
1: So no, I mean, just that, that, that's just how Jermaine works. Like, he, he's, he's not a beat maker. Mm-hmm. Jermaine's a song maker. So we'd be in the studio. He doesn't, we don't leave the studio until the song is finished. So it's not like we are in there making beats. and like, okay, we got a stack of beats. It's like, nah, okay, what are we writing about? This the beat. Okay, what, what, what are we writing about, dog? Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, uh, okay, you know what I mean? And I told you, l- I told a little bit of the story, You Got It Bad yesterday. We were talking about Usher and the girl he was with, and this, that, yeah. and the whatever. you missed that. And, and You Got It Bad was the first song that we wrote that was after, like, this breakup. You know what I mean? And literally, dog, like, when she broke up with me, it was, like, literally the, fol- the following months that happened after that was so crazy. Like, songs were just coming out and going number one and just... You know what I mean? So was, crazy. was
0: that break up your inspiration? Yeah. Inadvertently, yeah, yeah, yeah. And not Be- in a negative because, way because Jay Z, bec- uh, uh, not Jay JD was kind of forcing. He was forcing me to write. Right.
1: We, when I was really trying to write, he was forcing me to write. So uh, this,
0: know, this is yeah. where the ballots came from. Then.
1: Well, the ballots so, were always
0: right. I mean, my based thing. off, of, yeah, based you know off mean? Of the girls. It was and, always my thing, yeah. but
1: then, and everything's a. uh, Segue into something else. So then, yeah. segue into who ended up being the next love of my life, girl named Kalita. Segue into that. You know, then so you meet new love and then you fall in love and you and that whole thing happens and then, you know, you write songs that ended up you know end up being like little most forever and little, you know you just you just fall the, the the whole love thing happens all over again, and it's you go through the whole process again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whole process. Then at the end of that process, you write a song like "Burn." Mm. You know, you're like, "Shit." You know, so just, it's just, it's just that's the whole bit.
0: I think that that's dope, and even like you know, a personal situation being a, a source of inspiration, and then you having a camp at this point in time with the guys from Ideal. Uh, your boy that you mentioned was the inspiration for, for Polo Don, I forgot, Donny. Donny Donny's camp. Donny, right? You see, you have a camp around you uh, to an extent, right? And mm-hmm. then you, like, fast forward, right? So you have Ideal, then at the same time you're working on Jagged Edge, then after Jagged Edge, or during and after Jagged Edge, the breakup happens, then Usher comes, 8701 yeah. comes, then after after 8701, Confessions. Confessions happen, yeah, whoa. So, like, and then, so, Shit. like, you got, and then at this point, I, I don't even know what year we're in. At this point, but then you get to you get you get to working with Puff, right? Oh yeah. So so and and doing and doing Danny Kane Day 26. Well, the Puff thing,
1: the Puff thing, is a direct reflection of what happened with Mary.
0: Mm. So so like, Mary's before Puff.
1: Yeah. So when I when I made we we made we be without you and it became this huge hit, mm-hmm. right? Then of course all the calls start coming in at that point. I was I was always, always steadily working, always making records and making hits, but yeah. When The Mary thing happened because Mariah and Mary happened kind of like at the same time, yeah. So, when 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 those things happened, then I got a call. My, uh, Jaha called me and was like, Yo, I got a call from Puff, they want to do what you do, making a band.
0: Shout out to Jaha Johnson, by yeah. the way.
1: So, so I was like, Cool, you know, Chris Hicks and Jaha are my managers. I'm like, All right, I was a little nervous. So I'm like, You know, I heard all these stories about Puff Daddy. And at this point, I've been in the business, and I experienced a little bit of something beforehand, but it wasn't really directly with him. It was like mm-hmm. other business shit. So I was like a little nervous, like, yo, man, can I get all my money up front? And <laughs> man, you know what <laughs> Just like, you know. Right. Facts. And Bob was in a position where I could ask for that because of... Because of the, a, the, the The man at the time. So we worked the deal out, ended up coming to New York, and started the process. of uh, was, It was Danny the cane. They They weren't they didn't have a name yet. It was the second season
0: of making a band.
1: Making a, of the girls part yeah. of making a band. And there's such an irony, there's such an underlying irony with this Danny DeCane shit. Yeah. So crazy. I'm gonna bring it all back, all the way back around for you in a second. So before they're a group, or I mean before they have a name, they're already a group, but before they have a name, come in, the first song we do is the Ride for You song, which ended up being a big hit for them, mm-hmm. right? we talking I mean, and Puff got me in the mix like yo we talking about what the name of the group is going to be and the whole 9 I'm talking to building with the girls the whole everything right and the sound and whatever and I get to interact and meet uh, some of my heroes like D-Dot, and you know people who you know I never been had
0: a opportunity to
1: uh, to connect with and I'm I'm fucking with it like I'm like this <laughs> this is a dope you know concept a dope thing right we do the Danny D. Kane the first Danny D. Kane album puff says well we're going to do next uh, n- another season of making a band i want you to be a part of the actual process the mm-hmm. audition process but i'm going to put together a a, a guy group cuz naturally he knew my experience with jagged edge i had worked with 112 before yeah so he knew that i i knew what to do with a guy group so there's me michael Bivins, joe we all come together we go do making a band season 4 find find." Will end up becoming day twenty six. Yeah. Right. So, unbeknownst to me, this is crazy. My my son's mother. Right. Yeah. Just before sh- I knew her before, you know, she was one of the top finalists but fucking Danny DeKane. Mm. But that was before I met her. So how how funny how life just kind of it's just thread. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, you don't know the what's gonna happen. What's gonna right? happen? Yeah. You know, I, I meet her in, through very different circumstances. You know what I mean? And come to f- and we end up be- being together and bearing a child together and you know what I mean? It's a whole situation. My, that's why I said that this this business, this music shit, the way that my life works, it's so crazy how it's all comes back jumbled up together. You know what I mean? It's really it's really wild. But um, I had a blast doing making a band. I, 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 one of some of the best times of my life was working with Puff.
0: Was was sure. that situation real? They had to walk across the that was real. What they had to walk across the Brooklyn Bridge to go to that's go real. To but
1: if I, if I wasn't there for that one. That oh, was okay. the the band.
0: Because I, I, the funniest part about that is like the spoof from Chappelle is like I didn't get any Die line, die line, die, right, die right, line. Right, right, right. So that was just like yeah. Hilarious. No, I, I, I
1: wasn't there for that one. I actually, that was why I was apprehensive about doing making the band because I re- I remember watching that season. Like I don't really want to do this. Yeah, you know what I mean. But you I wish they could have kept it together. They were a really, really dope group.
0: So they, I, you, we, we, I don't know if we talked about this a couple years ago when I first first met you, but we have mutual friends. She was part of the process as well, Tiffany Starr. <laughs> yeah, Tiffany, yeah, yeah, yeah. We spent
1: a lot of time in uh, Miami working on yeah. those projects. She's yeah, an amazing
0: writer. She's really, really dope. She was managing. Now she's doing a lot of publishing stuff, but really, really dope. So, so we're 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 up now. You 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 made it. You're there. Now we say you are lit. I think. Part of how you got there, and and it's just amazing, right? From PVA, from 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 your mom placing the the, the uh, Rick James record in your hands, mm-hmm. right? So now you're here. You got here. I I have an episode specifically on goal setting, right? You, you talk about wanting to be a part of or work with the bad boy Hitman. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just not as part of the creative process, but just in general in life, like goal setting is extremely important. So can you talk about you, you did mention goals earlier, that's why I want to bring it back. Yeah. Like were you writing these goals down? Did you have sort of time oh, frames I, with I, them? Like what 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 was your process as far as like not not to, to get there, but like how how much of a part, how much of an importance of goal setting like I mean, play I, in you getting to where you are, working you, with Usher, Jagged Edge, okay ideal. Let's Puff.
1: let us put this in perspective. Everybody I ever said I wanted to work with, I've worked with.
0: Because I believe. Like every person. Okay. Like
1: literally from Jermaine to uh, to Usher. like Usher was like. <clears throat> Usher's an artist that when I was in high school, he was my favorite artist. Mm. Like even though the album didn't really do as good as. The first album was, wasn't like a big album, mm-hmm. but I was in love with that first album. Every song on that album was my shit.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was a huge Devontae Swing fan. So of course, naturally. Can't get with it. and Records like Whispers and uh, fucking uh, the record he did with Bam or with uh, with Brian Morgan, Crazy. Like I know I know that album from top to finish. And then Chucky did Think of You and Puff with executive producer album. Like I'm like this is me. Usher and Monica, Monica's first album. Those are like albums that when I was in high school it was like Yo man, this is my shit. Yeah, and I'm gonna work with them one day. Mariah Carey the, the was like my girlfriend at the time, Judith, my first girlfriend, that was her favorite artist. Mm. You know what I mean? And I was like, yo, Mariah is somebody I'm going to work with one day. Mary J. Blige, fucking um, um, my life, was like my shit. Yeah. I want to work with Mary. Wa- I'm going to work with Mary. Like, these As, are, so I'm saying, like, everything that I said I wanted to do and went after, and I would write the shit down. I, I always wrote shit down, wrote credits down. Even, okay, so even, was it
0: you didn't speak it, you wrote it. Because I believe, wrote, when I talk about the goal-setting episode, mm, I talk about when you write things down, not to get too crazy, right, it creates a vibration, right, and it sends it out into the universe and the universe transpires to make it happen. You know what I mean? But I then agree. also when you speak things as well. Both.
1: But like, for example, let me give you something, right? My cousin like Kendrick.
0: Erica talks about that all the time.
1: My cousin Kendrick, right? We, you know, he lived in Miami, I lived in Houston, but I would go to Miami every summer. He was like my best friend in Miami, right? Yeah. And Kendrick, I introduced Kendrick to Babyface and and Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis because he couldn't really listen to that kind of music because his dad was a pastor and he couldn't listen to that kind of music. But when I would come I to Miami, when I would come to Miami, I will bring these tapes to him, like Bobby Brown Don't Be Cruel or Guy's First Album or this, that, and the third. And that triggered something for him, right? And I knew early on that I was going to collaborate with him. Mm. I knew early on that I was going to write songs with him. Sometimes early on, when I would, I would be in school doodling and I would doodle t- song titles and like credits and shit. I would always write credits down produced and arranged by Brian Michael Cox, I have kinds of random names, East Swing Productions, or like, all kinds of wild names and shit. And I always put, you know, written by Brian Michael Cox and Kendrick Dean and shit. You know what I mean? And then I would do that shit all the time. Even when we lost touch, I would always think of him.
0: In so that, you put in it that into light. existence.
1: And literally, literally, I got a call and me and him had reconnected. He was, a teacher, he was teaching in Orlando and literally, I went to Orlando for something, and I w- oh I was working on a project. I was working with uh, Johnny Wright on a project. I went to Orlando, and I was like, "Yo, cuz I'm in town, I'm gonna come check you." And I went to his crib, his apartment. He had a two-bedroom apartment. This motherfucker had in one room. He had a Motif and a pair, pair of speakers. I was like, "Get the fuck out!" Are you still making music. Mm. I, I didn't even know. He didn't, he didn't even tell me he was making music. I said, yeah. oh "Shit, play me something." You know what I mean? He started playing some shit out this Motif. I was like, "Yo." All this shit come out that keyboard? He's like, yeah. I was like, dog, you, you need to be producing, man. Like, what are you doing? Like, you, you fuck this teaching shit. Yeah. You need to be. So I would like, say, send me some shit, whatever. Literally, I went and bought a motif because of that, because the sounds and shit was so dope. I went I bought a motif because I heard his shit. Mm. <clears throat> and, like, the following year, I, I kept bugging. I'm like, yo, we need to come down, work, let's work, we need to do something together. To come come down. Come down. If he finally agreed, he said, Yo, I'm gonna I'm gonna um uh prorate my my like salary so yeah. I will still get paid during the summertime. He said, I'm gonna give it three months. I'm gonna come down for the summer. If something happens this summer, then cool. If nothing happens, I'm going back to
0: work. So he he took a calculated risk. Yes. I talk about that as well. Yes.
1: He said if it doesn't work, I go back to work and we we could just let bygones be bygones. Literally, the first month he was there, we placed bad habit on on a uh, Destiny Shad. And he picked up a chair for $25,000. <laughs> so at that point, he's like, okay, well, shit, I'm, uh, I'm producing. You know what I mean? <laughs> Fuck it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's, you know, it's, a, it's, a, um, that, I, 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 I said, I believe in those vibrations. And I'm saying, like, literally, when I was in high school, I would write Mary J. Blige. I would write Jermaine Dupri. I would write Sean Puffy Combs. I would write y'all these names. You know what I mean? You know, I'd write Herb Middleton down. I'd write... Uh, uh uh fucking Navelle Hodge down I'd write Dave Jam Hall down. Like these are people that are my heroes. I'd write Teddy Riley down. I'd write I would write and I would write my name next to their names too. Like
0: mm. you know
1: produced by Teddy Riley and Brian Michael Cox. Yeah. Produced by Sean Puffy
0: Combs. Just Brian wishful thinkings.
1: At wishful the time thinking. I was just you know I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I just felt like on board, I finished my work. This is really where I want to be in the first place. So, shit, I would just daydream and write, 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 write. And I would go listen to these records, digest these records, like, and just take them in, take em in, and try to go emulate these records. And you know, I couldn't, you know, I didn't really understand sampling at one time, so what I would do is I would take my tape player and I would fucking create loops, like, on the tape. You know, how you fucking try to get the timing right on the tape to create a loop, you yeah. know what I mean? And I'd be like, I'm going to write to this sample. You know what I mean? This, you know, this shit, I, I didn't have no sampler at the house, you know what I mean? But yeah. I had a bunch of records. So I'm like, cool, I'm gonna take the sexual healing beat and I'm gonna just take the shit over. I'm gonna try to do the shit over and over and over again. And then me and my group, we're gonna write to the sexual healing beat. And we gonna kill this shit like puffing and would do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's just you have to you have as a dreamer, man, you have to also write things down and you have to also act. And it may seem cra- it may seem crazy to other motherfuckers, yo. Know? Like most times it seems crazy to other people, like, yo, you're fucking crazy.
0: Yeah. But yeah. So we talk about risk versus reward, right? And and I, I, a lot of the work that I do with not only the creative community, but some of my clients is in the marketing space, um, and just my background in marketing and advertising is understanding that because well, we got about like ten more minutes, so I, I want to get you out of here because you guys. Thank y'all, to man. I mean,
1: we I know we got some. You know, yeah. What
0: time? We, yeah, we're yeah. running low on time, but, um, yeah, but
1: was, I mean, I'm I'm cool, man. I'm. We,
0: t- we talk we talk about risk versus. i might reward, wear a t-shirt
1: this damn awards tonight.
0: <laughs> He's getting a seaside award. But we talk about risk versus reward being the new ROI. A lot, a lot of the marketing clients, a lot of brand clients I work with, a, a lot of the actual people um, happen to be people that have gotten their MBAs, you know, moved moved up the ladder, moved up the chain of marketing, and you know, any sort of creative idea that's idea that's pitched, a lot of the times revolves around, okay, how are we gonna track this? How does this scale? How does this, you know what I mean? How's this gonna perform? Versus looking at it as a place to say all right, we're gonna take this risk and the reward is gonna be our return on the investment. So to you and the things that you've done, would would you say that moving to Atlanta for Judith or you know any any other thing that we haven't actually talked about, like what's been the bi- biggest risk for you and, and what's been, with that risk that you've taken, how has the reward sort of measured out? You know, whether it's a calculated risk, right? Your cousin said he was gonna to come to, to Atlanta for three months and do that and he got a 25K check Right, so he took a calculated risk. He didn't just all the way jump out the plane without without a backpack on his on his back to, to, to do a parachute. But you know, I just believe that it can't always be, it it could be calculated risk. I just believe it can't always be just in a space of saying like, "Hey, we have to get these KPIs in place" or whatever the case may be. Sometimes you have to see what, you know, what what uh, perfect analogy we have to see what Coke is doing for us to get there, right? Yeah. Uh w- we have a, a colleague of mine that you know was uh, just with Pepsi, right? And I, I don't know that on the internal, on the internal, right? Like Pepsi, Pepsi is in deep water right now, unfortunately. And I don't know that on the internal space because I'm not an employee uh, of of Pepsi. But you look at kind of like we go back to I was looking at an article on Huffington Post the other day, and Coke in the 70s, I believe, didn't add trying to promote world peace. Mm-hmm. Pepsi recently did that ad with Kendall Jenner. Yeah. Um, it didn't really work out too well for them, unfortunately.
1: The the Coke piece was the like, the, song, or maybe the song. Right. It was like a world has. piece. Everybody was holding it's it. Totally different. Right. Totally different. Totally different. That song but is still like people, you can bring that song back and it's right. still, you know what I
0: mean? So I I want to circle that back to just kind of looking at whatever your risk is, right? So what are the risks, what are the risks like that you've taken and what has been the reward for I, that? I, and I th- think. And he's actually <clears> feeling the, the Cooperstown classic yeah. here. Uh, Cooper Sound Legacy. they really some good shit, To Cooper's, yeah. twist Cooper's shout, out, shout out to Gavin from Cooper Distillery. They're, they're 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 bringing us Hopefully this I episode. make it to the awards. Right. <laughs> so now, wh- um, what has been the biggest risk for you and what's those rewards been like cuz you you know
1: I think that it's all been a I mean a risk. I mean, I jumped out there no matter what, you know, whether it was following my heart. Um and I I'm, I'm not done everything right. You know, we all fuck up. You know, we all make a decision, to make decisions that we regret. Yeah. Things of that nature but you gotta live, you gotta jump out there and live. And I think, you know, I didn't realize that me jumping out and moving to Atlanta, you know, at the time I didn't view it as a risk. I just was like, Man, I'm in, you know, I wanna be in the music business and I don't want to lose the love of my life at the time. So yeah. I felt like Atlanta was a fucking good balance. Yeah. For me it made sense. I mean to the at my mom was like, Are you fucking crazy? But for me it was like, this makes perfect sense. I wanna be in the music business, Atlanta's popping and I get to keep my girlfriend too. So <laughs> let me get the fuck out of here. New York seemed a little intimidating for me at the time. Yeah. Even though I would have been up here with Rob and um you know, I had a bunch of friends, my Tanisha was here already, you know. Yeah. I I I would have I would have had a support we would we, 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 we a support system, but New York seemed seemed very very intimidating. LA just seemed like I'm not going over there. Yeah. You know, I watched The Minister Society and Boys in the <laughs> Hood. Watching EWA videos, gray. you know, fucking Dr. Dre videos and shit. I was like, nah, I'm cool. L.A. is not. I'm not, I'm not ready for that. You yeah. know what I mean? So it was going to be the New York, Atlanta at the time, and um, she just was the, you know, she was like I said, the the the, the catalyst. You know what I mean? It, it, you know, had she not been a part of it, I still might have came to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, but it would have been probably the last at the last minute. Hmm. What happened was. When she told me she was coming to Atlanta, I was like, Phew. well, that's where I'm going, <laughs> you know? And I can
0: understand that, being 18-year-old, 17, 18. Yeah, 18 years old, like, man. I'm going to go know, with my girls. I'm done,
1: you know what I mean? And, I mean, you asked Rob, asked anybody who knew me back then, like, bro, this girl was, like, literally, like, my world.
0: Mm. You know
1: what I mean? Like, just dumb. I was just a dumb Dumb in love with this girl.
0: Open, just everything. I mean, duh, like, like it was a rap. Dumb. dumb,
1: you okay. know what I mean? Like literally, she ran my life. Okay. So, so um, it's just. I, I think everything that we do is, is a risk. You know what I mean? E- even even jumping out there recently, I did it. You know, I, I did a deal with Avex uh, Holdings in, in Japan, and that was a risk. Yeah, you know what I mean? You know the language barrier, the lack of understanding in regards to what we do versus what they do as creatives, um, that was a risk. It 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 is not working, <laughs> but I would have never known if it was going to work or not work if I had not jumped in there. You yeah. know what I mean? And I want I want to have a more of international presence, so it was important for me to do that. You yeah. know what I mean? You know it didn't work, but I would have never known. You yeah. know what I mean? And we learn from our failures. Yeah. Right. So. Um, I think everything. I think everything is a risk. Like even you know, when you take when you take the plunge, you know, you, like you have to just believe that it's gonna fucking happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? I if mean, you, you wrote
0: you wrote a song with Jante, and I listened. I told you I listen to that every day. Anything's possible. It didn't come out. It's nothing yeah. that's out. But yeah, we did some work together, and yeah. I was fortunate able to get you know some of some of your your demos and other things that you put together, and I just said, hey, I'm gonna snatch this one and put it in the yeah. morning mix. And yeah. you talk about anything's possible. Anything's
1: possible. Anything's possible. I mean. My thing is like this, man. I just look at my life and say, yo, bro. I look at my life and I look at like some of my other friends who yeah. didn't really jump out there. Um, and I would try to get my friends to leap with me. You know what I mean? Some and, people I, and, are I, scared. and I lost a lot trying to do that. Like I lost a lot of money, a lot of time. You know what I mean? Oh, Trying to get my friends, to, to certain friends, to leap with me. Like, yo, come on, man. Come in this room, man. I'm in the room with Fantasia, man. Come in the room, man. Throw a lyric around, nigga.
0: Try to put them you on
1: You know, get give five percent on this motherfucker. You know what I mean? I'm given the opportunity to say, yo, come do it, you know. Um uh I, I got this one I got this one situation. I I have to speak on this because it's I think about it and angers it angers me thinking about it right now. But okay, have we got
0: a, five more minutes because okay. everybody has to it's the middle of the day. Okay. So
1: I have a friend who's extremely talented, one of the most talented people I know. On all fronts, music, comedy. This dude is brilliant. I mean, he's just a funny, fucking dude. Yeah. And he's a brilliant songwriter and a brilliant singer and the whole shit, definitely could be could have been the next Jamie Foxx.
2: Hmm.
1: I mean, definitely could have been. I watch, I see Kevin Hart and I see this guy could have been that. Brilliant. I had dinner with uh, Brett Ratner. Mm-hmm. This is some years ago, maybe about ten,
0: 15 twelve years ago. Brett a director.
1: We were talking about doing scoring for Rush Hour. For the for the, one of the installments of the Rush Hour movies, and he would we me and Kendrick went to his house, had this had dope time, talked to him, because he saw Adonis of oh my friend Adonis, who's a, another incredible song about Adonis Shropshire.
0: And Kendrick's your cousin. Kendrick's for, my cousin. For clarity.
1: And we were and Not we Lamar. were we were working on uh, Chris Brown. Yeah. And Adonis had went to go have brunch at Four Seasons. We 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 did making a band. Yeah. So he seen Adonis. He's like, yo. You work with B. Cox. He was like, "Yeah." He was like, "Y'all, I saw I saw y'all making the band. You guys are hilarious and talented. You know, I want I, I, I want y'all to work work on this Rush Hour shit." So give B. Cox my number. So Adonis called me like, "Yo, Brett wants to meet with you." They're like, cool. So me and Kendrick went to go meet with Brett. Had a great time. Brett had you know this fly ass girlfriend. I mean, he just fly. You yeah. know, the, the name I think the name of the place is Hill Haven Lodge or some shit like that. His spot. Mm. Beautiful fucking mansion, photo booths everywhere, got a club, he's just fucking balling, right? Yeah. So he's like, Yo, tomorrow, man, come meet me for dinner, man. You know, uh, know, let's meet me and my girl going to dinner, meet for dinner, we talk some more about it. I said, Cool, I can bring a few of my friends. He was like, Yes, bring them, bring more to marry you, cool. So we go, I bring my boys. I bring my boy there, I talk about his talented Adonis, can we all go have dinner? And I brought him on purpose. I knew that once he started drinking a little bit of Hennessy, He was gonna turn up, right? You know what I mean. So we get to Mr. Chow, and he get to drinking, and just in the third, and he, and he starts, he opens up. I mean, just joke after joke, he's just hitting him with it. You know what I mean? And killing him. Brett is like over there dying, like yo, where did you fucking get this guy? He's fucking hilarious. <laughs> like yo, yo, I wanna put him in the movie. I'm, I'm gonna write a part for him. I wanna, I wanna put him in the movie, man. I wanna put make he be like Chris Tucker's long lost cousin or some shit. Like this dude is fucking mm. hilarious. So like cool, they exchange numbers. I'm out of it, because I want him to build the relationship with Brett directly. Because I'm not on no managing and like that. Look, yeah. This is your shit. I'm going through the score. I'm gonna get my money yeah. on that side. You, fuck with this dude, man. And get in this goddamn movie, man. Yeah. Never followed up with him. I mean, this is out of Brett's mouth. Like yo, call me. I want you to come to the house, hang out. Call me
0: and it's the Kendrick.
1: No, no, it's not Kendrick. No, no. Kendrick's not the one who dropped the ball. Oh. This is my this is I, I, my friend's name, I don't want to call okay. him out cuz he might yeah, yeah. watch it. Yeah. If you watching, you know what the fuck I'm talking about. And um um it didn't it, it didn't happen. Mm. You know, and I looked That's at it and I was like, "It's a big bag to miss out on." But I think it was fear. I think, fear he, was, I think he was scared for, I think he was scared of
0: success. You didn't do any fraternities at Clark, right?
1: I did, but not. I mean, I did a corny one. I, think, you know. I okay. don't think y'all. I remember music fraternity.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, what? Uh, uh, hold on, hold on. Oh, I had to call Bi- out. Al- Five I, Mu Alpha. Yeah. Five Mu Alpha dope, though. It's dope. Because they have some dope really, music.
1: It's dope, but you don't, you know, you don't. Really it's tell, not really recognized. they you know, tell people I'm frat. They're like, right, no, right, not, right. Yeah, nah, nah. Five yeah, Bi- like, Mu Alpha is dope, though. Yeah, we, but at Hampton, Alpha, they
0: were popping. Yeah, they, they, I did. I mean, they weren't like popping in the yard. Yeah. But. Like musically, I banged on them because they were about there. You know what I mean? Like they were no, about No, Bobby their Alpha own. is
1: a great organization. And, you know, I was uh, blessed to have, a, you, know, dope, you know, dope people on my line and shit like yeah. that. It was good. Okay. But I just, you know, I just, I mean, I utilize it for, you know, when I do my Grammy, you know, speeches, shit, my Grammy, uh, you got nine. Bios and shit like that. a member of Bobby Alpha chapter. Yeah. You know, for the narrative, it looks good, you know.
0: Okay. Okay. Last yeah. two questions. Yeah. This is an important question. The first one. You're on social media heavy. I follow you. Last night, I challenged you to freestyle off the cuff. Oh, yeah. Because a lot of times the way you freestyle on Instagram stories, on Twitter stories, on whatever that's called. Um, Periscope is probably...
1: Periscope is where it started, but I think Periscope
0: that is pop. It, they popped it off, yeah, and then I did, everybody I think, else is like, "Oh, we're about to take this." Yeah, I think it's more See effective
1: on on uh, IG Live though.
0: Right, right. Um, so Instagram Live. Hey, shout out to you guys listening. Thanks. You do a lot of like beat making. You do a lot of different things, but then I also realize it's kind of like in this process of you being here this week. You like delete a lot. Like you start over a lot. <laughs> so, like, can you talk about how big of uh like. You'll just delete your whole gram and then like Oh, you, yeah, yeah, You started like a new gram that was like Oh, this is just my inspirations By your class, inspirations gram Yeah And it might have some like beautiful women on it It, it might not it, would, to- it, would, it might not even it be related to music would It have might just be like that. what your life is about Yeah So talk about the importance of like social media To not only your process But just how you just kind of develop as a creative And like does that really Because I mean mm-hmm. I've been with you on a number of personal occasions Yeah And I'll, I'll like, look, let me see what Brian's doing. Brian's on the gram. All right. Scrolling through, seeing what it's looking like. All right. And you're very interactive with your community. So how, how, how much of a factor is social media to what you're doing? Shout out to everybody watching. Thank you. Thank you. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Um, um, Social media, I think, is a gift and a curse. Yeah. Um, It's a gift because you can actually find things that inspire you kind of quickly. And if you follow certain pages, things that you know, like th- there's a there's a page that I follow, it's called Interior Milk. Yeah. And you know they have like the dope, like interior design. You know, just that that shit is, inspires me. You know what I mean? Uh, big shout out to my boy Cliff Hansen. He's like really been a great friend of mine since the '90s. Actually, you know, we met Cl- Cliff. Me and him met. Uh, he Robert used to teach him piano, mm. and that's how me and Cliff met. Then a couple years later, he moved to Atlanta. We became like fast friends from. You know, he's like one of my best friends now.
0: You got a lot of fast friends. We'll talk about that. In well, the because episode. I'm, i got to get you back to do another episode to I'm talk a f- about a lot of the yeah. in-betweens that we missed. Yeah,
1: I'm a, I'm, I'm a friendly guy.
0: Yeah, that's a fact.
1: Um, but uh, but uh, inter- you know, I, I, I think, inst- I think social media can work for you and against you. Where it works against you is that you know you can get lost in it. Yeah. You know, you can open up Instagram or open up Facebook, or open up whatever. And next thing you know, fucking hour that went by. You're like, what the fuck? I did this last hour. You the know what explore I mean? Explore page
0: is a black hole.
1: The explore page is definitely a black hole, and especially if you follow a lot of beautiful women or you follow <laughs> a lot. Cause explore page keep popping up. Like, well, let me see what she look like. What she like, Damn, damn, damn. You know? Then I mean? yeah. next thing you know, you like. I had a friend. <laughs> 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 My friend uh, uh, Angelica hit me. It was like, you know, you should probably stop liking ass so much. <laughs> You I mean, know? but that's what if you like you in real if life. If you, you know? don't want, like, you know, if you're trying to make it cool with the old girl, like, you need to prize. Because t- if I see you liking ass, she definitely sees you liking ass.
0: Right. I'm like, damn. Yeah. You
1: know, but it's on the other side of the inspiration, it's, it's, um, you find things like, like, uh, like places that I want to go. Like, I've been to a lot of places, but places that I would like to go. And you see pictures of things. Like, oh, this shit is dope. I'm going to go here. You know what I mean? And it kind of triggers, uh, inspiration. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I try to limit myself now on, on social media, even though I do have multiple pages, but I try <laughs> to give myself a certain time limit now because um, I get caught in the crosswise of I have so much thing, so many things going on, so you want to advertise too, but I don't want my social page to turn into a fucking you know, ad campaign page where I'm like, okay, well, come to this and do that. Yeah. And, uh, this tour, but then you have to support you know, that's the whole point of having a social media because you have access to market. That's why I created the other page because the other page is like the shit that I just want to put up. What are
0: those pages, by the way? The, the first handles? page
1: is Brian Michael Cox. Yeah, that, that's the main page. That's the main one. Brian with the Y, Brian Michael Cox, and then uh, the second page is Brian underscore M underscore Cox. Hmm. That was my original page, but then thanks to uh, my good friend Whitney. Whitney, shout out to Whitney. Whitney she was you know? also back in the day
0: at New uh, Time. At New Time, and she spins.
1: My good friend Whitney, she um got the Brian Michael Cox. I was able to get Brian Michael Cox official. Official. And Fadia, I was able to get Brian Michael Cox at, at uh when well she was at Twitter.
0: Fadia's at Instagram. She, now. She's Instagram now, but at the time
1: her. she was at Twitter. So um so Brian Michael Cox is the main thing. Brian underscore M underscore Cox is the art
0: page. Why, why do you delete your pages though?
1: Just on uh, like clean starts. I like I like clean starts. I you think just I like
0: creatively like, just be like, ah oh,
1: fucking Yeah, I'm I man. think it's kinda creepy to go back like three years. You okay. know, because I, like I was like
0: at, like, like, I was trying to find some like great photos or stuff that we're working on, and yeah. I'm like, all right. And I, I told Ryan, I was shout out to Ryan. Has I mean, them.
1: Facebook, that stuff stays up on Facebook, so you can go. Well, on Facebook now
0: we're bit. official friends on Facebook, so yeah. I'll definitely be yeah, using but, that. But, but. Instagram,
1: I'd be like, so I think it's creepy to be like, oh, what was Brian doing in 2010? I don't really, I don't think that's like, fucking creepy. And somebody like, like post something like, hey, <laughs> you yeah, had like a new, like a new comment on a something that happened like four years ago, like, uh that's kind of creepy.
0: Okay. No, it's good to know. Like, literally, me and Ryan talked about it. I was like, yo, why is Brian delete? <laughs> like, every week, like, every, like, four weeks, you're like, all right, boom. I'm yeah, deleting start over. everything. Yeah,
1: start and over. Cause, uh, cause I cause I also, when things develop, I like to see it, when, when it starts kind of getting out of hand, if I start not liking the way it looks, I'm like, oh, fuck it, let me start over.
0: All right. That's good yeah. to know. Last question. Yeah. Is it? When we're rapping. I ask everybody this. What does it mean to you to be a creative?
1: Everything. Everything about my life is creative, and like I say, that's a gift and a curse also, because you could be in your head a lot. You know what I mean? Like, like I have a bunch of ideas, and I have so many ideas that it's hard for me to finish an idea.
2: Mm-hmm. You know
1: what I mean? Like, the like that's that in itself. Finishing is a gift. Like I I, I realize that when I'm when I'm talking to different people, like being able to finish something, an idea is a, is a is a true gift. And yeah. And for me, I have so many things going on in my head. It's tough to finish one thing, because on th- my mind is moving too much. So, because of the creative thing, like I, like I have a concept that I'm doing with my friend Candace Childress that I called her about, super excited about two months ago, three months ago, and we started the process, and then I'd do something else, and then i totally let that <laughs> sit dormant, but now I'm like, I gotta come back, I gotta finish it. You know what I mean? Because it's a dope fucking idea. So it's like, after, as a creative, it's hard for us to prioritize what well, for me, I was speaking myself. For me, to, have to prioritize what I should finish and what I shouldn't, this, that, and the third. So, I'm trying to be better about that, you know. But as a young, I've been doing this since I was young. So, as a young, I always had people to help me finish things. You know, I had Chris Hicks, I had Noonie, I had Ron, I had ChaHa, had Jarell Allen, have Angela Mack. The reason why we get the brunch done every every year because there's somebody in place. The brunch, I have a Grammy brunch every year. If you Shout
0: can, out to it, Angela; she's a man um,
1: for the you know, that's associated with Grammys every year. And you know, we're in the thirteenth year, and I'm able to get it finished because there are people in place that can finish my sentence. You know mm. what I mean? So that's the thing; it's just figuring out how to maneuver through that. But
0: so, definition-wise, what is being a creative?
1: Um, being to crea- you,
0: to you, to you. Being
1: creative to me is being is living. You mm. know, like that's just it's who I am. Hmm. And, you know, I, and I, I've I've tried to run from that shit. You know what I mean? I've tried to be like, well, I'm not. You know creative being creative is what I do, and I'm a be. You know, yeah. It's it's all one and the same. You know what I mean? And and the highs and the lows and life, all that shit is a all that shit is a part of what what drives the creativity. You know what I yeah. mean? Like that's really the truth. Like you know what I mean? You know, like legitimately, I was talking to Keith Thomas the other day. Keith Thomas is an A&R, RCA record. One of my great friends. He's a great friend. Like one of Usher's best friends. And I was just saying, like, you know, vibe is so important. You know what I mean? for creatives, you know, your vibe is fucked up or the vibe ain't right, you know, I could be in a studio, I could be in a studio full of equipment if the vibe ain't right, it's nothing happening. Absolutely. Nothing. You know, you're forcing music, you're forcing ideas, it's nothing happening. So you like, fuck it, I'm gonna just sit until something happens. Yeah. Sometimes people don't view that as work, but it actually it's fucking work for a creative. Absolutely. And I'm gonna sit until something happens or I got to go see some shit until, see, you know what I mean? Like, like if people are like, well, you ain't doing shit, yes I am. And if I come fuck with you, I'm fucking with my whole shit. I got to, you got to let me be me and Facts. work through it. And that's the thing about being creative. It's fucked up. You know, it's good and fucked up at the same time. Because when it's on, it's on. Yeah. And the shit is booming. You like. Phew.
0: But then when it's not on, you got to search for it.
1: Listen, that's that's the one thing. I would the black uh black. Uh, Jay-Z said, you you can't get, you know, the, the shit done, you know, find you. You got to go find it. And he hop, you know, but when you got money like Jay Z, you hop on the PJ, you go to fucking Miami, you yeah. fuck with Fat Boy, and he gonna give you some hits. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? That's that, but that also equates to, you know, shit. Go to a museum or something. Yeah, go see some shit.
0: Listen, I do this. Listen, brother, I, I, I there's a lot of times when I'm building out programming, building out whatever, and there will just be blocks. You know. All right, let me. I'm gonna go yeah. to my post office box. I have a PO box. <laughs> exactly. So I'm gonna walk and walk and see something. I, I had to go all the way to 125th between between Saint Nick and Morningside to get my mail, and then so I'm like, all right, we'll, we'll see. and 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 sometimes it's forced. Sometimes it's like all right, I need some sort of inspiration, and other yeah. times it's just kind of like I just need to go. I need to get out. You know, yeah, I mean, where I'm at.
1: One, one last time that we gotta go. Um, I have a friend named Malayla, right? And she's yeah. an actress. She lives in Los Angeles. She's from New York. And last time. I was in New York and she was in New York at the same time we hooked up. And she was like, w- w- where do you want to link up at? I said, well, I'm going to the MoMA. And she was like, why? It's like,
0: "You need because I
1: just want to go to the MoMA. Like, you, know what yeah. I'm saying? you know what I mean? It's just, and for her, it was interesting for, for her to see me just say, I just want to go to a museum for no reason.
0: And just chill. Yeah.
1: And just, Ch- see, she ain't there. A particular show you want to see? Nope. I just want to go to the MoMA and just see what's there. And just see what the fuck is up. But she was like, that's fucking interesting as hell, that you, that you would absolutely just, I was like, yeah.
0: Did that transpire into any music? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So, where are you at on socials?
1: Brian Michael Cox on Instagram. Brian Michael Cox on Twitter. Okay. Brian Michael Cox, oh, I think I'm BMC underscore 1201 on Facebook, but you be typing Brian Michael Cox, look for the picture. But fri-
0: you you got too many friends, so damn. I have to go through them. and delete people. But you can follow the fan page.
1: Follow the fan page for sure.
0: There's not a limit on that.
1: Why? Why? Why are there limit? Why is there a limit on the Facebook? I
0: think on a personal, there's a fan page. There's a limit, but then on the fan page, yeah. it's it's endless probably.
1: But yeah, um, and yeah, so just check me on, on on those on those sites.
0: Whitney, can you help us with that? Thank you. And then thirteenth letter. Yeah, so... Wait, you did that last night. We did a special thing last night at Jenny's. Yes. separate club in Harlem. So, what's our timing on that, what are you thinking?
1: Um, initially, I wanted to put it out April 18th, but obviously I'm not finished. Okay. Uh, so, we're pushing it back a month. Um,
0: you have half of it done, though. Half of it done.
1: I have, I, I, I like, maybe 60% of it done. Okay. Um, and now, you know, I've developed new relationships uh, with, with like a Nick Grant, with yeah. Swift... Pro James, who I've known forever, but we're developing a, m- a musical Smart relationship. Um, Alex Isley. Um, So what I'm going to do is try to incorporate some of these people in some of these creative, you know, vibes. What I'm trying to do as uh, a, you know, a couple of producers: Cam Wallace, Triza, um Fuse from 808 anyway Mafia. So okay. I'm going to try to I- include some of these different. Kind of different textures inside of the project now that I have a little more time to get it done.
0: I'm looking forward to that. I mean, I have some of the, the I have all of the stuff that you've sent me. Um, the
1: people who follow me on Instagram, they they they're into the project. I post about it pretty much every day.
0: And then he um, deletes it. Yeah, so Verbatim
1: <laughs> is out there.
0: We ran into a brief technical difficulty at the end of the recording, but the podcast was wrapped up and as Brian was saying, Verbatim is out there on iTunes, Spotify, Tidal, Um, If you want to buy that, Karma uh, has other singles also out there on iTunes, Spotify, Tidal, all the platforms, SoundCloud, you can take a listen there. Um, But thank you guys again for tuning in to another episode of Chats with a Starving Artist. This episode was brought to you by our friends at Cooperstown Distillery. Very, very grateful to them. We were actually sipping on the Cooperstown Classic while we were chatting. So if you guys are interested in more with Cooperstown Distillery, they have a host of different spirits that are part of their portfolio, uh, from the Glimmer Glass Vodka, to the Cooper's Classic, to the White Whiskey, um, to rum, to everything, and I'm just so grateful for my relationship with Cooperstown Distillery and all that they've done, and super, super grateful again to our friends at House for giving us the space and for letting us have the opportunity to chat with Brian Lott. Uh, if you guys do have any questions, if you need help with anything, don't hesitate to reach out um my email will be in the show notes uh please 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 share this with your friends share this with your music creatives share this with your visual creatives share this with anybody in your creative community and don't forget to subscribe uh don't forget to leave ratings and and comments and feedback if you're listening to this on itunes because it's very very helpful uh to raise and increase visibility of the podcast so thank you guys again we got some really dope episodes on the horizon stay tuned until next time